24 hours a day, 7 days a week. A new way of radio and the beginning of a new talent. MoncoRadio.com, where music and minds meet. How do I get a backstage pass? Yeah, you're listening to Harold on Monco Radio, where music and minds meet. Hey, so we're here with the mighty Craig Gass. And the mighty Gene Simmons from KISS. <laughs> if you've missed any part of the interviews from this weekend at Rockin' Pod, they're available for thirty nine ninety five at KISSonline.com. Boom. Pow. That's how you start things off. Wow. That's right. Go to KISSonline.com and you'll see me, Gene Simmons. And Mike Lindell for my pillow. I used to smoke crack cocaine. I used to smoke rock cocaine. I'm clean and sober now, but listen to the Rock and Pod Weekend. I'll let you shave my pillows. Go to mypillow.com or go to kissonline.com and see my friend Tracy Morgan. Hey, everybody, I'm a black dude. That's crazy. That's right. We have everybody at kissonline.com. White people, black people, and Vinnie Vincent in between. Boom. Kissonline.com. I just got canceled at (laughs) kissonline.com. Let me ask you a question now. It's funny. It comes shot out of a can, and obviously you're ready to go. And this might be Craig Gass 101, but at what age did you discover you could be funny? Uh, I was doing impressions for my family. You know, my family's deaf. Everyone, my, my mom, my dad, and my sister are all deaf. I would do impressions for my family that didn't involve voices, obviously, because they're deaf. So I would do impressions of, like, it would just be body language. Like, here's Grandpa staring out the window because he'd always look out the window and just <laughs> just kind of <laughs> stare out there, like, longingly. Like, I don't know what he was thinking about. And um, uh, So, in fact, when I do impressions now... I think of the person more than I think of the voice. So I'm always like the body language is always in my head. Yeah. And then the voice just kind of comes with it. Like Tom Arnold. Tom Arnold is uh, uh, kind of nervous. <laughs> and uh, he uh, uh, has uh, uh, nervous energy. And then uh, Adam Sandler is more silly. Shibby do he You know. And then Al Pacino will just stare right through you and go, my God. <laughs> I am asking you a mother of question. Here's one of the funny things, even when you think about it, as clearly you have perfected all these things, the fact that you could make the staring out the window for radio only work. Like, you figure out how that works, right? I'm thinking, okay, staring out the window, what is that? And you did that yeah, sound. And yeah, it was like, even yeah. even on just audio only. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, yeah. That deep, longing look out into space. And who knows what he was thinking about. But, yeah. And um, so as a kid, I was always... Um, uh, I was always wanting to make people laugh as a kid and always uh, getting into trouble as a kid, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. In fact, I would get in trouble to the point of where, you know, my teachers would say, um, you know, this is y- your mother needs to come to the school because we, we need to set up a meeting with your teachers and, and your principal. So we need your mother to come down. And I go, well, my mom's deaf, so you need an interpreter. And uh, I do know sign language. Um, so. I would sit there in in a room with all my teachers and my principal next to my mom, and they'd say, okay, so 
uh, tell your mother <laughs> that the reason why you're here is because you are having some behavior issues lately. And I look at my mom and go, <sighs> and I start signing, okay, so they said that although they think I'm a very good student, there's some small things we need to work on. <laughs> and my mom would just nod her head like, okay, why am I here? And they'd look at her and go, okay, now tell her. And I was editing. I was editing on the fly at 10 years old in front of all my teachers. Yeah. It was crazy. This shit that I got away with. I got away with now, now fucking I'm that murder. Was, okay, so at a young age, what's the first teacher that you impersonated and got probably in trouble for. Yeah, you know what? I didn't impersonate teachers, but you know who I impersonated is as a teenager when we start drinking and start smoking pot and stuff, I could impersonate <laughs> an adult and call all of our parents and say, uh, uh, yeah, he's going to be with me this weekend and uh, we're going to have a, uh, a sleepover and uh, going to have a uh, we're going to have an ice cream party over here and 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 call everybody's parents and sound like an adult and make everybody like, wow, okay, well that, that seemed like a pretty a dad who knew what he was doing and uh, yeah, I could I could impersonate a, a generic uh, father and yeah, I mean, dude, the, the amount of trouble it's crazy the amount of trouble I would get into before I got into real trouble. So. The- couple things uh one i'm gonna go impersonations growing up look we had you know rich little of course everybody who was that influence on you on that other than tv and everything that you've seen people doing voices that you go wow that's incredible um well obviously rich little uh would do impressions that were mind-blowing but i was more uh, in awe of comedians more than uh, impressionists, uh, George Carlin, Richard Pryor were the two guys that were really, I was really in awe of like, man, how does a guy just stand on stage with just a microphone and entertain all those people? That was so mind-blowing to me. Um, but, but the impressions were just a product of how I grew up. Growing up in a deaf family, I couldn't learn how to talk from my family. I learned how to talk by watching TV and I would copy all the voices I heard on TV. So I mimicked everything I heard and never got an accent, you know, which, you know, from the Bronx, I always say everybody in the Bronx sounds like Tracy Morgan. Everybody in the Bronx talk like this, whether you black or white, male or female, it's crazy. Hey, this is the voice of your next door neighbor. And I'm a Vietnamese girl. That's crazy. Like, like yeah, everybody sounded like that. So, um, so uh, comedians were more of an influence on me than impressionists. But I always admired a good impression. Love hearing a good impression. I love doing impressions. So, yeah, always admired it. But not necessarily influenced by impressionists. So you got in trouble a lot. Look, we were on the Kiss Cruise. You talked about that. Yeah. Now... Things have changed a lot. This cancel culture, this woke thing. Yeah. How has this affected your career as a comedian? Look, we all seen what happened with that slap around the world and yeah. everything else. But I, how has all this changed you? I mean, look, me being the happy guy, I I still don't even know pronouns. Uh, I, I, look, English was not my strong subject. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. Uh, God, I remember that night when it happened. I was I was gonna have dinner. I was gonna join Eddie Trunk. I was in Vegas, uh, where I live now. Eddie Trunk has a place in Vegas, and he said, "Hey, come out. Uh, we're gonna be hanging out at this restaurant." Um, 
and I was getting my stuff together. The the Oscars were on, and I saw the slap, and I just froze and went, "What the fuck?" And I was so infuriated by the idea that this guy was just going to go up and do that because um, <clears throat> in the weeks uh, after that, there was a small percentage of people that'd be like, you know what, good for him for standing up for himself. And I'm like, for a joke? Standing up for it? Yeah. Like, that's a f- joke that's entertainment. And it was just a small percentage, but if 1% of a billion people think that way right and and we had problems just a few weeks later when someone jumped on stage during Chappelle's show so it doesn't really affect me because the stuff that i do doesn't really fall in those categories at all but um but you know the whole art of stand-up comedy is being able to say anything you want and getting people to to trust you to just go there and try to make some comedy out of it i'm all for anybody talking about anything including myself if you can make a joke out of it, then go for it. And I grew up in a deaf family where, dude, the most insensitive deaf jokes I've ever heard were from deaf people. I threw a surprise birthday party for my sister a few years ago. And yes, you can argue that anything for deaf people is a surprise. But <laughs> I threw a surprise birthday party for my sister. And afterwards, we're all sitting down to have dinner. And my sister, who is deaf, Sitting across the table from me, she's signing to me, and she grabs my attention and goes, do you want to hear a good joke? And I said, sure. And then she said, me too. And I went, what (laughs) the (laughs) fuck? (laughs) Holy (laughs) shit. And so I just learned that not only is it okay to laugh about anything, but in many ways, it's very disarming. It releases all the tension about uh, sensitivity and um, and taboo subjects. And and uh, I think it's a great time for comedy because comedy can always fight back with. And by the way, whenever people are, you know, who who go somewhere wrong, it's always entertaining. If if someone's uh, having a bad time on stage because the audience doesn't like them. <laughs> You'll always hear one or two people in the back laughing. Those are always comedians just laughing to see how you're going to get out of it. I did a show once in Oklahoma City <laughs> where the guy who was opening for me, he was obsessed with something going on on the left side of the stage, and he kept going, yeah. Um, uh, and then at some point he finally went, ma'am, am I that ugly that you won't even look me in the face? <laughs> she won't even look me in the face. Like, what are you, f- blind or something? Oh, are you blind? Oh my god! Oh. And the whole room just—the <laughs> whole room just froze. And he made one of the biggest mistakes of his life. He tried to go back into his act. He goes, "So, uh, you guys ever go to Walmart?" And people are like, "Who cares about Walmart? He's made fun of a blind woman, you son of a bitch!" And, and he goes, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." And the whole room is silent. There's everyone is the room is dead silent except for me and two comedians in the back room who are laughing our ass <laughs> off like i want to see you get out of this situation because we as comedians you always find yourself in situations like oh shit, i just stepped on something everybody's mad at me now and i gotta figure out a way to get out of it but the fact that will smith added like you know what i don't like this and i'm gonna physically assault you because i don't like what you said is like god damn dude anything somebody says on stage in a comedy show, regardless of what it is, is an attempt at humor. It's just humor. It's entertainment. So, you know, it's like slapping someone for singing a song 
that you don't agree with a song, like it's a lyrical a, content. Yeah, lyrical content. Yeah. Right. So that really bummed me out. But the greatest thing I got to tell you is your comedy and you're talking about your family. Look, I, I think I explained it to you a little bit before. My partner of 25 years, yep. Tony Coelho, yep. author of the Americans with Disability Act. Mm-hmm. I. He sees humor in everything. And if yeah. people, he has epilepsy, you know, he's talked about things. And, you know, it, it was, uh, if you can laugh at yourself, mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing. And you with this and your accomplishments have been tremendous over the years with Howard, mm-hmm. with Kiss. Mm-hmm. And I want you, uh, we've, you've talked about it a lot, but uh, when you told me at Cruise Fest, that they wouldn't let you on there because that joke, and if you can bring it up, what you were talking about. About the joke I made on the Kiss Cruise? Yes, about uh, going to Mexico, and there was an, what, an iceberg? Well, we were uh, in the middle of the Bahamas. Um, it was the first Kiss Cruise I did. Uh, I met the cruise director, who was really upbeat, very peppy. She's the Julie McCoy of the Kiss Cruise, if you want to Google that. And... Um, she, when she realizes who I am, she's like, oh, my God, you're Craig. You're the comedian. You're the guy from Family Guy. Hey, there's Chris, the legendary. Ooh, Chris. Oh, my God. And he just gave us a. Chris, and he's waving us off. Chris, the entire world has this burning question that we have to have answered. Everyone that's coming here this weekend is thinking the same thing. How do you pronounce your last name? Senzak. Don't believe it, but I'll accept that. <laughs> Sinzak. I believe it's more of a kisses I, I believe that I believe Make that it lick. takes five minutes to pr- properly pronounce the word, but I will accept the answer. And if you want to find me on Facebook, just punch your keyboard. My name will pop. <laughs> punch your keyboard. But if he says his name backwards, he goes back to the fifth dimension. <laughs> That's actually a solid joke. Punch your keyboard and my name will come up. That is actually a solid joke. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris... Allegedly sins. <laughs> All right. Thanks for stopping by. So I get up into the um, uh, uh, the girl says, uh, hey, you're the comedian. You're Craig Gass. You do the family guy and American dad. Um, oh, my God. Do you want to do a funny announcement on the ship tomorrow morning? And I went, oh, oh f- yes. <laughs> right. I said, who who's going to hear the announcement if I make an announcement? She said, well, if you want, we can flip a switch and it'll pipe into every cabin. And I said, Flip that switch. And the next morning, 3,000 of the biggest KISS fans in the world at sea woke up to bing bong. Hey, everybody. This is Paul Stanley. And this is Gene Simmons from KISS. And we have a very important announcement. Do not panic. But it seems that the KISS cruise has just hit an iceberg. Now, when I said we've hit an iceberg, we're in the middle of the Bahamas. There's no reason for you as an intelligent person to go, this ship's going down. It's going down. We're in the Bahamas. But do not panic because KISS is going to take care of everybody. We actually have three packages to get you off the ship. First... We have the platinum package, $5,000. We'll put you in a life raft and have your own private photo taken with Kiss. Then we have the diamond package. Isn't that right, Paul? That's right, the diamond package. For $10,000, 
where we throw you in the ocean with Tommy and Eric, and then Kiss floats by on a raft. We do a private acoustic show in the ocean. Everything I said was stupid, and apparently a few passengers ran up to the employees and said, is Kiss going to charge us to get off this boat? A few passengers actually believed it. So I got in a little bit of trouble there, not with Kiss, but with the Kiss Army, who uh, did not have a sense of humor about oh us God. hitting an iceberg, which my whole argument was simply, listen to what you're getting upset right, about. Right. A member of KISS went on a loudspeaker and said, we've just hit an iceberg. It's going to cost you several KISS packages to walk off the boat. <laughs> think about that. Just just put, just put walk through it and think about what you heard. So, yeah, that's why the last KISS cruise I was on, I did announcements as uh, Sebastian Bach, specifically Sebastian Bach doing cameos. I don't know if you watch uh, Sebastian's... Um, Instagram, uh, yeah. but he does a lot of cameos now. He makes a lot of money. So I was doing uh, announcements on the ship going, hey, everybody, this is Sebastian Bach, and I want to have an announcement that Craig Gass's show has just moved to the theater. That's incredible. And this announcement is brought to you by David, your wife, Tammy, wants to <laughs> wish you a happy birthday. No, f- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So really quick on the Kiss Cruise, yeah. I had the Heaven and Hell room. Yes. Sebastian on one side. No. Michael Sweet on the other. No. And the way. two were fighting. But we got to wrap this up, and we Holy can talk sh- about. I know we're getting the we're getting the wrap up cue. I want to ask you two quick questions, and they're kind of not related. One, sure. it's amazing sitting here watching you, absolutely adept <laughs> with the sign language. So yeah. I mean, obviously you had to learn it as a kid. At what age did you become like so skilled in sign language? Uh, babies can learn sign language before they start speaking. Very it's, cool. It's Which proven. is fascinating watching you do that as you're making the jokes about yeah. deaf people. And then the other question is, and I've obviously with Kiss, this is the I know the answer, but have you done your impressions? In, like, has Tracy Morgan heard you done? Yes. His, that, which is amazing. Everyone I do an impression of has tried to meet me at some point. <laughs> and with Tracy Morgan specifically, there's a very weird disconnect. Tracy Morgan knows me. And he also knows there's a comedian named Craig Gass who does an impression of him. And he's never put the two together. <laughs> True story. I like that dude. That's my Bobo. That's my Bobo. Like, all right, Well, dude. Craig, we can't thank you enough. Oh, we look fantastic. forward to the movie on Sunday. Yes. We're That's doing the... the Kiss uh, Exposed. We're going to be doing so, a live-ish on... Kiss exposed. We got Tracy, Tracy back here. We got the other Tracy. Say something to Tracy as Tracy Morgan. <laughs> I'm gonna get you pregnant, Tracy. <laughs> What's up, Tracy? <laughs> We're gonna have to fit it in the schedule, baby. <laughs> Somebody get me a shoehorn at 305. <laughs> I'm getting you pregnant between 305 and 308. I'm getting you pregnant. As long as it's on the schedule. Okay. <laughs> you heard it here first. She's on the schedule. And uh, we're going to be producing a podcast together with that baby. All right. Thank all you. Right, Thanks, thank Craig. you, Craig. Thank you, buddy. All right, man. Oh, God, that was so funny. Oh, my God. You're with the band? Yeah. You're listening to Harold on Monco Radio, where music and minds me. <laughs> You wanted the best, and you got the best. I am Matt Porter, along with the great Bobby Dreyer, and we're here at the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo. Our first guest today is Delena Nova Scott from Third Power Amps. Right here, welcome to Nashville. You're already here. We're here. Yes, I'm already here. You guys are here. And 
We just had a conversation on how to pronounce the name, and it's Delana. <laughs> See, look, two <laughs> seconds later, and I screwed it up. That's shot out of a cannon. Yes. I'm it's, sorry. It's beautiful. <laughs> Delana, and also we're going to mention the band Vane. Absolutely. Amazing. Uh, gosh, how many years now? Well, Vane started in uh, as a dream in 85, came together in 86, and uh, the album No Respect came out in 89, and, uh, and from there, eight other albums. We just finished a new record. It's in mastering right now, so I don't have an ETA on the delivery. Uh, I'm not going to give any tidbits away, no song <laughs> titles, no Good. nothing, but I will say that it absolutely connects to our roots. It uh, Davy sounds. I, I did a post on Facebook. He called me and thanked me and said he was kind of embarrassed because I I really poured it on thick about. I'm in awe of his voice after all these years. Every bit, it, he's just better. And you get to that point where you rise to your best, and then at some point you do trail over to the other side. Yeah. <laughs> and that doesn't mean you're not great still. It just means that you decline a little bit. Davey is not in decline. This, wow. this MFR is just killing it, and I am in awe after all these years. And I've been playing with him since 86. Wow. It's just, yeah. So we can't wait. It's To me, the record is the new record that's coming. It's We always love what we do. But there is something about this record that feels sacred, and that's amazing. Uh, doing your ninth yeah. record and have it feel like that. There's, and the world's a different place. We had the pandemic. Of uh, we're losing so many artists that are the fabric of our life soundtrack. Um, I got to imagine if we still had Prince or still had Bowie or still had Tom Petty, like mm. the world would be a better place because Definitely. there's some love and sanity in uh, in the music that they created. And there's so many other people we lost, but those are the, th the three that jump out to me as like part of our fabric of our culture outside of even transcending stylistic, you know, hair metal bands. These yes. are this just iconic. Um, and so I think that there's that kind of passion in this new record and i'll stop there no album title yet oh, the one thing i'm going to ask real quick without sure. giving the title of the album but where will people be able to find it like well, how can we get it yeah that's a good question um we fully self-produced the record and davy is in talks with management um with some labels so this We'll either put it out ourselves, which is what we set out to do, Good. but it's possible that uh, a label is going to take our work and put it out in in a, a proper way. Right. That'd so, be outstanding. Yeah. Because then everybody can find it. That's the main thing is Absolutely. that you know, it makes it easier to find. So. Yeah. I will say we're on the Monsters of Rock cruise. Uh, nice. Um, so we'll be Are out. Are excited about that? Heck I, yeah. Yeah. Larry's an amazing guy. I mean, between that and Monsters on the Mountain, everything, you know, yep. that he does yep. all his hard work. Yeah. But that's incredible. I mean, yep. just. I love seeing the fans out there. It's it's that, like we all, like even this event, the, the Rock and Pond Expo, we get so many people together and just celebrate the music we love that, that means everything to us. I mean, a lot of us. We're alive today because of the music that we love, yes, right? Absolutely. Um, so it's great to do things like this. Or One of my big things, and we're going to, you talked about the sound. 
you're creating a sound, third power amps. Look, there's a lot of noise out there and you and I can talk. We're the 80s people we've taught. We've had our MP1s, which are, you know, people know our rack rigs. We went through the marshals in this. Uh, then it came into modeling. You are gear not a modeling. Yeah, I know gear. I <laughs> love gear. She builds an incredible amp. You have an amp, the kitchen sink, but you have another one that's out now. But explain third power, how it came to be, and what made you do this. Okay. Um, not only have have I been a player, a guitar player, recording and touring, and you know, traveling the world playing, but there's something about the connection to the music and so when playing wasn't enough I taught music I had guitar students 30 students a week wow. and infusing the passion and connecting them with their desire and showing them that it's possible to create music uh, so that something stuck with me in the early days when I was a music teacher and uh, later I got into the gear. Well, what's, what's making these sounds? So I used to sell the gear at a, at a music store called Bananas at Large, and that was a store in Marin County, California. And when just selling the gear wasn't enough, I, I got into developing the gear. And early on, I, I'm totally self-taught, not only as a self-taught musician, but self-taught as an electrical engineer designing. Uh, my niche is hand-wired tube amplifiers, and uh, my guitar heroes had a way of connecting emotionally, and they were using tube amps. Mm -hmm. I'll use uh, Ozzy Osbourne as an, as an example. Ozzy's Diary, uh, Diary of a Madman record, incredible. Um, Blizzard of Oz, incredible. Masterpiece. Yes, but when I think back now to the songs... It was actually kind of depressing music. You had Suicide Solution, and yeah. but you had it delivered in an exciting way. But even on songs that were dark, Mr. Crowley, dark songs, when Randy Rhodes took a solo, it was literally a ray of hope that it mm -hmm. doesn't matter yeah. how tough the world is or your living situation or whatever's going on in your life, Randy Rhodes was this ray of hope. He was yeah. he was a beautiful human being, kind. He was a music teacher. That was my ins inspiration wow. to follow in that. And so that stuck with me. And as I grew in, in the music industry uh, parallel to playing, um, it hit me that as the music industry got more and more homogenized, I'm talking about music gear, it got more and more into feature and benefit and less in, cr in creative, or it got hypey creative it's like what are you going to do with all that simulation right and so getting real was my thing and that's what led me to develop a line of tube amplifiers and so i pursued my dream i started in 2009 moved to nashville and i've been designing and building amplifiers i've made amplifiers for the who lenny kravitz joe walsh vince gill um I, for the sake of this, you know what? Um, I uh, slash ordered an amp to uh, send up to Duff when Duff uh, built his recording studio. Yeah. Um, Neil Schoen ordered lots of my amplifiers. So we're we're not laying low, but yet we are laying low because I don't need to advertise 
because I've been sold out for years, mm. four or five years. I know that for a fact. Yeah. I, I, you know, you haven't mentioned Bobby Dreyer buying an amp, which I will be going with. We're going to design. Gonna, yes, uh, we're going to design an amp together. Um, the great thing is, is, I want to ask real quick though, um, and and this is probably going to be like a you have to do the quick answer to a mm. long question is. What is it about, like, how do you get the sound that defines your amp? What is it about, it and how do you learn that? That's what's curious. I'm not a gear guy. Bobby will understand. <laughs> if you go on the long answer, I need the short knucklehead version. Okay, short knucklehead version. We know what we feel on the inside. And as a musician, we want to be able to radiate that feeling. As a songwriter, if I can feel it and write the music and play it, there's a chance that the audience can then hear it and feel it. Right. It's that I'm, connection. And I'm an important part in that linkage. That's why I call my amps emotional translation devices. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Right. Guitar players that play my amps, the audience will absolutely feel it. Well, they did last I love night. that. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah, we the watched thing. Tear It Up at the Rare Hair last night. For everybody that was here at what Nashville for Rock and Pod, that was a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah. It was incredible. That's great. Now I'm going to go a little deep. Okay. As being an openly gay man, partner 25 years in the rock and roll business, this age that has been changing a lot, this counterculture, this cancel, this, that, and everything, and you and I are grew up in the 80s and everything where we suppressed a lot of things, I, you know, but I'm not going to go into that. How has this changed yourself? One, being a owner of a major company, being in the rock and roll business, and being in Nashville. Look, we know what's going on here with a lot of things there. Yeah, I would say that um, there's political noise. The political noise is garbage. We're hearing things like, oh, we need a national divorce and all that. F that. America isn't red or blue and forget it. Screw you if you're not my, my tribe. That's not... Um, America is, you know, it's it's everybody. All, all everybody, period. And the, anybody that's spouting a divide this and a cancel culture yeah. that, you know what? They're just making noise. And we have social media, so they get away with making noise. And some people maybe latch on to the noise they're making... But at the end of the day, I believe when most people put their heads to the pillow, they really accept and love everybody. And so I, I'm here to just say that we're all in this together. Our, our country, every single state aligns magnificently. One border, I mean, the, look at the map. It is absolutely perfect. It's perfection. Of I see course. it as perfection, even though, even, even With in per- flaws. Yes, absolutely. And when you, you refer to some things so that people don't have to really dig in and figure out what you were talking about with me, I'm a transgender woman in this industry. I came out and transitioned seven years ago. So if you look up Vane, you'll see that at one time I was named Jamie Scott and now I'm Delana Nova Scott. Um, I'm proud of who I am, I'm happy. I'm real. I'm authentic. So I'm, I'm yes, absolutely. So that's that's what Bobby was talking about there. It, but I will say it hasn't been easy. But if I didn't believe in myself, it would have been even harder. But I chose to be open because this is who I am. So. 
take it or leave it. I'm authentic. I'm happy. And uh, I am living my best life. And I'm almost 60 now, and it's incredible. I'll be 59 in July. Finally be here. we're still rocking. Uh, Yeah, we are. You know what's great? One of the things that even just kind of going off that whole topic, the fact that the way you described your amps giving off that emotion mm-hmm. that's what brings people together like you can find all the dividing lines that you want but music you can stand in a room with 20,000 other people and no one cares who you voted for who yep. this because they love that music and yeah. when you as soon yeah. as like last night as soon as you hit that chord oh. that's a room full of people experiencing that love at the same time so that's, that's right. that your connection the way you described your amps to that idea of you know bringing people together there's almost nothing greater so like to think about that to your point of like you know what divides the country what's bringing it together is music and always has yeah nobody is looking at your amp and going that's a transgender amp (laughs) well we know it has a transformer in there but nobody is sitting there going I just love the fact humor everything on that end nobody cares I I I love who I am and I love meeting people who are sound in who they are it's uh, refreshing yes I, uh, Matt and I are sharing 10 years of me being a co-host with he Kiss on the Kiss Room, room. Harem we're having the best time ever People listen to the show. They want to laugh. They want to have fun. They want. To- I've got a story then. Now oh. look, it's funny because I know we're we're getting the, the wrap up cue with you, but okay. but yeah, you the have Gene, to tell the Gene Simmons right. story. Gene Simmons story. I think it's 1991. Vane's rehearsing. We know, you know, Nirvana's coming out. Every everything is kind of changing, and uh, we're all at rehearsal eating our food. And Davey walks in and goes, "You guys, you're never going to believe this. I got a call from Gene Simmons." We're all, what? And he goes, yeah. Gene Simmons calls and he goes, hey, Davey. Yeah? Davey, it's Gene. It's over. It's over, Davey. Forget about it. And Davey's all, what are you talking about? He goes, this is Gene Simmons from Kiss, Davey. He's, it's over. Nobody wants to see good-looking men with huge cocks and long hair. It's over. Then the phone cuts out. Davey's like, what? Calls back, Davey, it's Gene. It's over. So Davey comes into rehearsal and says, guys, you're not going to believe this. The God of Thunder just called me to tell me Rock is dead. (laughs) On that note. That's a great one. We are going to end. Delana. Thank, Thank you so you much so for joining much. us. I'm you got sorry it. I said it's your name wrong. No, no, forget about it. Strike that from the record. I love it. Uh, Harem, and thank you. Uh, this is the music we love, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Lots of great stories. Uh, I hope this isn't the, your only exposure to third power amplification. Oh, right. We're, we're at thirdpower.com. So I was just going to say, give all the socials yep. for that. Thirdpower.com, and I'm Delana Nova Scott. On on the website, do they spell it out third? Or I'm looking at your banner right now as the, the number three. Three, R-D-P-O-W-E-R.com. Boom. So now Boom. everybody knows that. That's important. Take that away with you people. Third power. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks so much. Goodbye, everybody. I have my denim jacket painted with your logo. Yeah, you're listening to Harold on Monco Radio, where music reminds me. (laughs) 
people. We are back here at the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo, joined with Rick Fox. Yes. Now, everybody that's here, we all can tell because he looks like a total rock star walking around, making the rounds. We only have a couple minutes because you got to go do a Nikki panel, Six for a minute. having the best time ever. <laughs> now, look, we could talk. We could talk for a long time because, especially with the Kiss Room, you go back to the roots of Kiss. Now, talk about that kind of Rick Fox 101, but for Kiss fans. You have a very early connection with Kiss. I dated one of Peter Chris's sisters. Right. Wow. Jo- Joanne. I, I, Peter was like the big brother to me that I never had. So I, I got to meet him after he was at a Chelsea. And he dressed like a rock star all the time. Oh, yeah. You know, like regular, like look like Rod Stewart and the faces, you know, tight jeans, platform boots, rock and roll haircut. And he gave me my first rock and roll haircut. You know, the, wow. the, the Paul McGregor shag, we used to call him. <laughs> he took the scissors and he cut my and gave me a layered haircut. That's outstanding. Now, the thing that people would remark at now, obviously everybody's talking end of the road, final shows, this and that and the other. You saw them before the first shows, going back that early. What was it like being in that vibe that early on with KISS? There was no other band we could compare them to. They, they created and set and raised their own bar. You know, I mean, they were heavy like Humble Pie. Uh, uh, it was hard to. There was nobody to really to compare them to. They were totally original sound. Um, all the other New York bands all had their own sounds too. I think a lot of people were trying to create or recreate uh, the, the British wave coming over. You know, the, yeah, the, right. like that. The heavy glam, like that. Everything in New York was glitter. It was glitter bands. It wasn't wasn't heavy metal? Wasn't used yet. Right. Like that. And and so uh, it was all glam and glitter. You know. And then Kiss became the Thunder Rockers. Thunder rock, right. right? And that somehow that term didn't stick. <laughs> well, you you plug that Les Paul or that Flying V into a Marshall stack, you know, all the way up, and it's just not, it just runs through your veins, right? You, know, you feel it. Like now that. that brings up the point. So you're in that scene when that's what's happening. When do you pick up a bass, and how do you get started? And who were your influences? Oh, jeez, we could be here. Hey, yeah, I think we have 12 minutes before she's going to pull you out by the neck. <laughs> it's, it's difficult to encapsulate this into the Reader's Digest condensed version. That's what two-hour we'll, interviews we'll are for. We'll go with uh, top three bass players that influence oh you the most. The first one was Nick St. Nicholas from Steppenwolf. Wow. Okay. All right. I was, I was a Steppenwolf fan since 1968. I got the first album and that, when, I was, when I turned 13. So it was, it was Nick and then... Uh, uh, geez, over the years, uh, 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 Jimmy Lee from Slade, uh, 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 Greg Ridley from Humble Pie, who was in Spooky Tooth before that, yeah. which gave us Gary Wright, Dreamweaver, and Ariel Bender, Martha Hoople. These guys were all in Spooky Tooth. Uh, and then who else? Gary Thane from Uriah Heep, uh, um, um, Jack Bruce. Uh, it's just it's just a huge list. So list. so many of the greats that you've just named that was your influence. And then when do you remember getting into the first band? You've had been in some really some of the biggest name bands and worked with so many people. What are the, your first band memories? Or the first time we one thing we were talking about with um, some people earlier. What's the first time you stepped on stage in front of a crowd? Yeah, I was in parochial school, <laughs> right? And we had a band. We had a band that I named called Phantasmagoria. <laughs> And we had an, it was just an instrumental, but we got on stage and, and uh, I wasn't playing yet. I was tambourine. Right. You know, my friends play guitars, drums like that. And we had some, some instrumental piece that we did, but I go up to the microphone thinking back, Steppenwolf Live. First thing out of, you know, they, they come on, greetings to you, friends of peace. 
<laughs> John, when John, John K comes up on stage, and that's what I, I that was my my first time on stage doing that. But my professional debut was October 1975 at Max's Kansas City with the Martian Rock Band. Wow! Wow! And I looked like like a space version of I was a cross between Gene and Ace, like the creature from the Black Lagoon meets Gene. And I was like a, a <laughs> like a reptile, and I and and the inside of my mouth was dyed green. So Gene puked blood. I would I would secretly get a mouthful of beer while my I had green food coloring in my mouth and I would puke this. It was like like St. Patrick's Day on acid. Right, right. This green foam, <laughs> rabid foam coming out of my mouth, and Gene Gene breathed fire. Well, our our band leader uh, uh, Sebastian Sebi Sebi Castle. He's now Sebastian Black. He's a, a psychic medium and a magician. He shot flames out of the headstock of his flying V. Wow. He showed me how the gag was done. And, Times Square in Manhattan was full of magic sh- magic stores, magic shops. So he'd show me the gags. My dad also did like you know hand magic and stuff. So uh, he showed me how. And so I found a way to, to incorporate that into a hand system, like Spider Man would, would hit his like to shoot right? the webs. Sure. So I had the, the gag in the palm of my hand under a glove, and it had a straw that ran up my finger, and your igniter was uh, um, what do I want to call it? Uh, Flash paper. Right. Oh, really? Wow. That was my igniter, like that. This, this stuff, this powder that's in this doesn't burn. If you put on a table, it's inert. You can throw a match on it. It won't burn. Right. It burns only when it's aerated. Mm. You know, like flour can be explosive when you, when you aerate it. And I would shoot this thing out of my finger, and a ball of fire would shoot out of my fingertip. So, you know, there was a lot of influence from Kiss. That's fantastic. Now, look, is there much... Evidence or their photos. Yep. I want to see photos of all that. Of course there is. So of course we need to see that. Now one of the things I know just from following you on Facebook, your history is extensive, kind of in the whole scene. Would you write a book about it at some point? I started years That's ago. That's fantastic. I started years ago. It's a discipline to make yourself sit down and write every day. And I, I started and to understand who I am now. I have to take the readers all the way back to my childhood. And there was there was some traumatic moments mm. in parochial school that that's going to make people go whoa! Wow. It's going to rock the Catholic Church. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was uh, well, I was sexually harassed, mm. by, by, you know, abused by a, a nun. Wow! You know, and that that set me off. Oh, that's tough. You know, the uh, I mean, that's the kind of stuff I think. You know, obviously, as social media opens up, we get to see a little bit more about people's lives, things like that. Because I'll admit, my first experience I saw on the Steeler album. And picking up that Steeler album, being like, man, this is really something. But it's really, I think, the first time I ever knew who Ingve Malmsteen was. You know, and it was so it was like, so obviously there's got to be at least a couple yeah, of Ingve and, oh. uh, and, you know, Ron Keel's <laughs> stories. Ron Keel, nicest guy, he came around and talked to us earlier. But Ingve, that's a unique character. You got to have a couple of good. And now, you, if for this is radio, but if you can see him rolling his eyes, I think he just scratched the back of his brain. So, <laughs> you know, so if you think about Ingve, particular guy. Uh. If he wasn't wearing the guitar, which was very rare, he was like a regular guy. As soon as we were on music, the attitude came out. Wow. Right from, from day one. Uh, he wasn't the same guy that got off the plane that we talked to on the phone with the, on the phone really? conference with Varney before he right. came to America. Uh, he was all gung-ho. You know, and then when he got to America, it's like, all right, the Viking has landed. <laughs> what are you going to do for me? Right. So we're in, we're in early rehearsals. And we were between songs. We stopped for a second. And Ingrid says, hey, man. Looks at Ron. He goes, can you do something to make these? Can I? Are you censored here? No, we can no, bleep you out. Okay. Yeah. okay. I have to ask. Uh, he says, 
These songs are really quite boring, man. Can you do something <laughs> to make them a little more fucking interesting? Oh my gosh! And I, 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 and I looked up at Mark Edwards on the drum riser, and Mark rolled his eyes like this, and I'm thinking, did new guy just say what I thought he said? Oh, he uh. just insulted the boss's songs. Ron stayed in there. If anybody knows what a slow burn is, yeah, <laughs> right. Edgar, oh, Edgar yeah. Kennedy used to do it on the Little Rascals, <laughs> but it was a black and white. Ron. It's the quickest slow burn you ever saw. And it just did everything he could to contain himself. And wow. Like, okay. All right. Fine. We were auditioning other <laughs> guitar players for about a week while Ingve was living there with us. And and it really they weren't nobody was hitting the mark. Oh. And Ingve's all right, all right, I'll play the game. Let's let's do right. this. Let's do this. And and we got so tight you couldn't slip a piece of paper in between us. That's fantastic. Now, obviously, that brings us because we're kind of fast-forwarding because of the fact that I know we only have you for a couple more minutes, but Keel Fest tonight. Yes. Going back to discover those songs. Now, when's the last time this version of Keel Fest, or Steeler, wow. really, when's the last time that you all played together, and what's that been like jumping back into it? It was May 2019. Right. It was the first Keel Fest. Ron called me up says, you want to do this? I said, hey, just give me the details, when, where, whatever. He goes, all right, so they flew me and Mitch out to uh, Columbus, Ohio, to uh, the Al Rosa Villa, which is no longer there. And uh, it was my first time with, with all the guys since I can remember. And there's Keel, there's the Ron Keel band, there's Steeler, like that. Right. And, and uh, it, was, it was amazing. It was just fantastic. Favorite songs to play. And I know it's tough. A lot of time you ask a musician, and like they, you love them all, but there's got to be one or two that really pop for you. Well, Cold Day in Hell is probably my favorite. Yes. Hot on Your Heels. And now I told, I told Ron, good luck getting through Serenade. He goes, what do you mean? I said, because every time I hear you sing that, it's like my wife right. singing it. Give me uh, the words. So he says, says oh, you better keep it together on stage. You know, it's, it's funny to say that because one of the, the kind of the common themes that we've talked to with people today with music is that emotionally it's attached to something. And it's something that you were a part of creating the song, but then you have emotional attachment to it. Like you said, and that's, I mean, it's giving me goosebumps just as you said that, you know, and now you got to go and play that song. And it's really, you know, that's be pretty beautiful in a way. And I think, well, are we getting the wrap up cue? She's yeah, smiling. We're getting, we're getting the but cue. she's giving me the, you got to go do the panel talk. I do the panel, panel now, look, talk. It's been great to see you, but I definitely need a longer interview at some point because these short interviews are good kind of one-on-ones, but we need to go in deep on some of these subjects. So, of course, well, uh, you're always welcome back. Room, right? We'll love to have you, you know, do they're, this. They're teasers. Teasers, yeah. right. Yeah. So now, obviously, with that in mind, give everybody the social media. Where can they go? Where can they find stuff? Uh, well, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I have a couple of pages on Facebook. Uh, I guess there's plans eventually to start an Instagram page for me. God knows when I'll have time to do all yeah, this. Right. Uh, you know, uh, at some point I'll try and pick up the you know the, the computer again and, and try to work on the book, good like that. You know, my dad before he died, my dad goes, "Do write a book, but a lot of pictures. You don't have to talk too much." Exactly, well, a lot of big pictures. If you'd like to pictures. do an audio book, I, I'm <laughs> here. I own, uh, Rick, where are you located at? Well, uh, we moved to Missouri. Wow. Yeah, you know, I say Pennsylvania. It's like Mayberry. <laughs> it's, there's no stoplights in the town. It's like a four-way. That's it. It's a really small Woo. town. Oh, it's oh. great. You know, and and everybody knows me there. Well, we can't thank you enough. We know you got to get ready to rock and roll. We're going to grab a real quick pick before you run out. Yes. So Rick Fox, thanks a million. You're listening to The Kiss thank Room you. and Harem right here on Monco Radio, where music and minds meet. Can you sign my... Yeah!
Yeah, you're listening to Harold on Monco Radio, where music reminds me. All right, so we are back. We are here at the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo having the best time ever. Matt Porter, Bobby Dreyer, and joining us right now, the awesomely funny Don Jameson, who you know as the canceled <laughs> That Metal Show, <laughs> which I heard you say that a couple times last night at the Rare Hair Show. That got a pop every time. How are you? Uh, canceled. <laughs> Still, six years later. But uh, oh my gosh! But we got Jim and Eddie and I are gonna we're we're starting a new show. Everyone goes, oh, come on, just do something, go put something on YouTube. So we're gonna do it. So good, that's um, great. In the next month or so, look out for uh, the three amigos back again. That's fantastic. You need it. You know, it, it was kind of like you guys were. <laughs> The Wayne's were. We used to be someone. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that that actually brings up a good point. Now, I think most people, I think, probably know you from that metal show. Yeah. But we saw you the other night do the stand-up comedy, which was fantastic. At down And National. so funny. What was kind of your origins of that? Like, and, and when did you start doing the stand-up comedy? Yeah, I, I always did the stand-up. You know, me and Florentine, that's how we met. And then we met Eddie together um, at a rub and tug. I mean, at a concert. <laughs> And um, and we just you know became instant pals because we're all just you know three idiots from New Jersey who love the same music and grew up around the same time and that's how it all went down. But yeah, stand up is always you know luckily I I always had that and when the show went off the air, Jim and I just went back to doing our stand up. Eddie went back to doing his radio and we've stayed friends this whole time. So you know it wasn't a matter of. You know, we don't need separate tour buses or anything to get back together, you know. (laughs) So, uh, and now with, you know, with technology, it's so great. And podcasting, it's like, you know, you could, you know, you sign up, you get a YouTube channel and you're you're pretty much in business. Uh, That's the same thing. Matt's been doing the Kiss Room. I've been co-host for 10 years, eight years of doing Harem. 80s music everybody goes well what I'm going what is it I'm going look I grew up in the 80s look we had the most screwed up things that we got we should be dead right now think about half the shit we (laughs) did luckily we're not everybody's here which the one funny thing now look going through when you were doing this stand up comedy routine where do you find like what's the inspiration like how do you go about writing what's your writing process because your stuff was right up to the edge hysterically funny and the the way that you take like kind of regular situations and just turn it to the left I mean just wake up every day pretty much <laughs> right. I mean right I mean any time you turn on the TV or, or pick up you know whatever if there's still newspapers out there <laughs> Every headline and, and every news bulletin is more absurd than the next. It's almost tough to to be absurd in this day and age. You really don't have to. I don't have to work that hard. I just have to observe. But are you afraid of getting slapped? <laughs> right, right. Well, it depends on the situation, Bobby. <laughs> Well, Are you asking me if I like it rough? Uh, well, you know. Well, but it's visual. You have to do that move that you were showing. In the, no, we'll throw in yeah, a yeah. little bit of the political end out there. Do you, uh, look, some clubs and areas, do you have to watch what you say? You know how to read a room or, you know. You definitely, yeah, you definitely have to know how to read a room. But generally, man, you know, the good thing about comedy, man, is that is, you know, with the internet and everything, I started pre-internet, you know. And so, yeah, sometimes if you came down from the northeast to, say, Tennessee, right, where we are now, they, some people would be a little more judgmental. Oh, there's New York comics coming down here. We're not going to laugh at that, you know. But now, of course, you could, you know, Don Jameson, even if you don't know who I am, you go on, you Google me, and you can watch clips, and you go, I like him or I don't like him, and then <laughs> right. you figure out if you want to come. So you don't have 
Pe- you know, it's like a movie. Would you just walk into a movie you didn't know what it was? Never heard did. of this one. It's about a big monster. <laughs> yeah, well. and that's what they say about my comedy sometimes. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's some he's some monster, but he's pretty funny. So, we'll so go. Uh, you were talking about one thing at the comedy show. And we'll you know keep doing all that, but uh, big rooms, small rooms. You know, we were at Wine Down Nashville with forty four seats, great room, intimate. You know, a lot of fun. And then Matt and I were driving around. I was looking for guitars. We seen Zanies, which yeah. is a much larger crowd. What do you prefer? More well, I could say I sold out the venue. Right, exactly. It was <laughs> packed and wind down. <laughs> Great venue. I mean, they don't have to know it was forty-four seats. Right, no, it's a sellout. So, sorry, John and Amy. I didn't mean to. <laughs> no, no, they're John and Amy who own Wind Down Nashville, which has really become, um, you know, this cool artist hang. Oh yeah. You know, like all the rockers who who come down and and, and see us do comedy there. That now they just come down and have dinner there, and but it was just a sort of an accidental venue because, and I love Zanies, I've played Zanies before, yeah. but but you know especially like when Rock and Pod starts happening to try to coordinate the schedule with Zane Zanies to get that exact weekend because they book like a year in advance. Yeah, right. So uh, so I'll be back here for Zanies, but if I need an open, if I have an open night and it's around this and I and I could do it, John and Amy are always like. Come down, you know, do whatever the hell you want, and put on a show, and so they've been great. Here's another question: with uh, music and genres changing, look, you know, a lot of your stuff, you, Jim, Ed, you know, all that. Where do you see it going with comedy and music in the next ten, let's say ten years? Let's do a, a big thing that way. Are they, you know, is going to be eighty stick? fun to talk about it they're gonna be you know monsters of rock cruises or is it gonna be the you know <laughs> i you know i just think everything retro always is always appealing to people vintage is always appealing to people so you know how long will you know 80s hard rock cruises be able to sail i mean i, I don't know you know probably another 20 years <laughs> right if people go on them i mean there's cruises that cater to even older audiences, like the '70s cruises and the Beach Boys cruise. Just yeah, happened, Beach Boys right? yeah. cruise. Yeah, that's the average age is cadaver on that one. <laughs> right, exactly. So. Right, they got to wake them up. <laughs> but so yeah, I think you know people like because music is so important to all of us that you know we want to hold on to those times. In the meantime, though, you know I always expand my horizons. I'm always still looking for new bands to to check out. I mean, I like a lot of death metal now. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, Eddie Eddie really stays in his traditional house, right? Yeah, right. You know, wheelhouse, and and Jim and Jim likes some, some more of the extreme bands like the Slipknots and right. and uh, you know, um, um, uh, you know, anything with a yeah, you know, <laughs> he, and I liked a lot of that stuff too. But I mean, so we all have our different sort of offshoot bands that we like. But th- those guys don't like death metal at all, but I do, and they say you get more mellow as you get older. But I I get heavier. Man. <laughs> That's great. Growing up in the 80s, favorite club in Jersey. Where was your club? Birch Hill. There you go. Right, right. Birch Hill was, you know... you know, no, nothing fancy, which is, but that's exactly what you want in a right. rock club. Look, nothing I fancy. Simple. I had the Galaxy, you know, being in that end, Britney Fox, everything. Britney, and then the Empire in Philly was, yeah. you know, our that clubs, everything there, you know, but uh, yeah, it's Did great. Did you go down to Hammerjacks? Hammerjacks, yes, absolutely. Been yeah. there. Uh, the other one, well, then uh, Long Island, going out 
all the way out the there dead, when Twisted. Yeah, played. the Crazy Donkey. Oh, oh, no, the Crazy Donkey was the club. And, but Lemoors. Lemoors, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, the whole thing out the, there. Um, one thing that I'm going to ask, and you talk about the roots of like growing up in the 80s, and the, but what do you remember your first time that you actually walked on stage to do comedy? What were you thinking about that? And then the kind of a two-part question is, like a lot of time, we're, we're surrounded by musicians yeah. who are kind of hiding behind very loud and a wall of amps and a guitar at least in front like a shield. You walked out the other. It's a microphone and a stand, and like there could be a mouth breather like me, literally sitting two feet from you as I was. <laughs> you were. And and what do you think about that? Like you know when you like when you work walked out on stage. Yeah. Go back in your time in your mind to that feeling. I just yeah I just wanted to do it one time. You know just to see if how it felt if I liked it you know and Florentine was you know he was like four or five years ahead of me and I used to just go hang with him that gig so you know I wrote some one time I just wrote a bunch of stuff and I tried to give it to him he goes nah that's not really how it works we write you know comics write their own material he goes but if you want to try it sometime I could get you up and it wasn't in a comedy club it was like a little redneck bar in South Jersey. <laughs> they they didn't even know that there was a comedy show. Right. You know, it was all like the local bar flies sitting at the bar. They didn't even turn the TVs <laughs> off. It was just like everything was against me. But I, I tell you, man, I got like four mercy laughs. And, and when I came off, I was like, I had to, I've never done drugs in my life. So I don't know what to just put, you know, <laughs> what to assign it to that feeling. Right. But I right. just knew I don't now I don't need drugs. Because, That's fantastic. Because you know when you when you it's the power of getting that response back, even though it was minimal at the time, and now it's twenty three years later, and I get you know six mercy laughs. <laughs> I, I gotta ask real quick: Did you always know? Were you the smart ass in school? Were you the one who cracked the jokes and did this and all that and this? Like you know, getting sent detention. This yeah, no, right. no, I did. You know what? The, the, the guy who was uh, nominated class clown was the guy who always went to detention <laughs> right. in the principal's office. I kind of, I did it more sneaky. You know, I was sort of like, <laughs> you know, I was more subversive. You know, I'd be, right. I would, I'd have a whole thing going on in the back of the classroom that they couldn't, they couldn't suss it out. So, and then you know, Mike Boker, who was the, you know, the, you know, the, the kid. Remember that you always had that kid who was fourteen, but he already looked twenty-seven. Right, right. Like he was already shaving for like. Five years, and he was the one that was buying the beer. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He and so he was easy to pick out of the, the class. So he was always the one that went down to the principal's office, and I was just the instigator in the back. But uh, yeah, hey, it served me all right. That's fantastic. And, well, I, and I got good grades, so that was the other thing. They were hesitant to throw me out of the class because I was a straight A student in high school. So well, we're going to wrap so it up. Look, we're, yeah, we're out of time with you. These Why? interviews no, are quick. The uh, they only get fifteen minutes with you. Yeah. So really, I guess before we go, obviously everybody knows who you are. But what's the socials? Where can they find more for everybody out there listening? Yeah, you got Facebook and Instagram. Don Jameson official, official, and, uh, official, and real Don Jameson, <laughs> real. Don Jameson on Twitter. Yeah, not that That's gluten fantastic. free Don right, Jameson. Nobody wants that. No non GMO Don Jameson. <laughs> hey, thanks so much, you guys. Well, thank All you right, so thanks, much. Don. Thanks for being at the uh, comedy really show. I really enjoyed man. your comedy the other night. It was fantastic. Uh, I really appreciate lot, you taking time with us today. So You got it. Thanks so much. It's all about kicking back, relaxing, and enjoying the show. Take the time out of your day to listen to new music and the new sound of radio. Tune in every day, all day, for the greatest hits, latest news, and community events that you can be a part of. MoncoRadio.com, where music and minds meet. Meet, meet you in the kiss room. Meet, meet you in the kiss room. 
the podcast crew. Hey, you're not allowed to smoke in the Kiss Room. Hi, everybody. It's Gene Simmons. You're listening to the Kiss Room on Montco Radio, but you knew that. You wanted the best and you got it. The hottest man in the land, Matt Porter. And we are back here at the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo having the best time ever. And joining us now from Keel, from Cold Sweat, Wayne's World. And Wayne's, Wayne's World, World is Mark Ferrari. <laughs> oh you all know God. him. And he's got the great streak still in his hair. I'm looking right at him, looking like a million bucks, like a rock star. We're having the best time ever. How have you found the Rock and Pod Expo so far? Oh, this is awesome. This is my first one. So I'm really impressed. You know what? It's, <laughs> it's much bigger than it's ever been. This you could have fit the first rock and pod in that corner over there, so it really is amazing. <laughs> well, it's it's uh, it's spreading like a virus, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, so that's I mean, obviously, look, we got a short time with you, so I call these interviews kind of rock and pod one hundred and one. Now, what were some of your earliest influences, and when did you pick up a guitar? Well, I I picked up a guitar when I was not even nine years old at a cousin's house. I was uh, visiting a cousin with my parents, and I was running around being rambunctious as my usual self and my mom uh gave me the guitar that was in the room just hey play with this give me a break you know see if you can make something out of this <laughs> that was it man uh, that, that that was that was uh from that then on in it was guitar 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 so it's a good thing your mom was looking for a way just to keep you out just, of her hair that was I, <laughs> I was like Dennis the Menace, I guess, back then. <laughs> Mark, we grew up, look, they didn't call it ADHD or OCD <laughs> right. or anything. You're a little rambunctious. Why don't you so, go out and play? So I like to say, I have a bit of uh, ADHD, a little bit of OCD, and a little bit of ACDC. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's, that's same boat. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, thinking about that, what were some of your first influences? You had the guitar, oh. your mom got you turned on to keep you quiet. Yeah. But, you know, I started listening you know to rock stuff probably when I was 13 14 you know I was hanging out with older kids so it was Zeppelin it was Nugent it was Skinner ah, you know back then right. it was Rush you know uh, but then you know my game changing moment was seeing Kiss live a lot of guys will tell you that fantastic you know? right in my case it was 1976 in uh, Niagara Falls New York and wow. I think they were I think they were just starting Destroyer. Maybe they were still playing uh, Kiss Alive. Right. But it was it was in that transition right before Destroyer was out, and uh, that mm. you know after that night, man, I just I just knew it. That that's what I wanted to do. That's fantastic. You know, I was 14, and uh, you know maybe I didn't know exactly how I was going to get from the audience to the stage, but I, I knew I was going to get there eventually. And you know, obviously, such a uh, uh, an amazing coincidence uh, a short time later to be in the studio with Gene Simmons with Kiss. Now look, cool. that's, I got to go right to that. I mean, obviously we're going to skip ahead a little bit, <laughs> but you have to have some great stories of working on those albums. Everybody that's listening knows those albums. Give us some Gene Simmons insights. But also, I mean, was that like one of your first times in the studio? What was, what was, your, what was your trajectory at that point? And now you're in the studio recording yeah. an album, and it's surreal with Gene. Yeah. Well, well, technically, it was Keel's second album because we did the right. we did uh, lay down the law, just eight weeks. This Whoa. is what people don't understand. 
how crazy it was back then. I moved to Los Angeles in January of 84. I met Ron in March of 84. And th- within three months or four months, we'd done two records. We did, we did the uh, Lay Down the Law album in June of 84, and we got signed to Gold Mountain you know, right after that. And we were back in the studio in August of 84 with, with Gene. Mm. And that's one reason why we, we covered three of Gene's songs on the Right to Rock album, because we d- didn't have the material, you know? We had three new songs. We re-recorded uh, three songs from Lay Down the Law, and then we had the three Gene Simmons songs uh, on uh, The Right to Rock. Outstanding. So we, you asked about Gene's stories. I remember the first time he walked into the room. He is pretty intimidating, you know, and uh, pretty serious until uh, he opens up. He, he, <laughs> he could be a silly guy, too. He, he, does oh, have yeah. that, uh-huh. he does have that side. Another memory I have is... He took me to get frozen yogurt in his Rolls Royce. <laughs> I was like, like what, what alternate reality am I in right now? Right. I'm driving in a Rolls Royce with Gene Simmons to go get frozen yogurt. You know, he's. It was just one of my memories of of of, of, of that uh, of that recording session, and um, you know, record plant. You know, had had uh, had the hot tub there. There were some fun times in the hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Uh, no time machine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, Gene was, you know, and then we got, I got to record an electric lady in New wow. York, you know, which is obviously such a, you know, historical studio, the, the house that Hendrix built. You Absolutely. Know, so many amazing records have been recorded there. And just to be, you know, stand in the, in the hallway was just intimidating. You know? <laughs> Never mind when that red recording light uh, went on, you know. So, right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the big thing is being a guitarist. And, and look, I always have that quote. What's your favorite guitar to pick up? You know, the, the, this. And everybody goes, oh, the one in my hand at that time. But uh, no, look, we grew up, couldn't afford the big ones. But now we're, we're in the big league. Yeah. You're gigging. What is that guitar you love well, to play? I have a guitar that's been with me since high school. I have a 1968 Les Paul. Wow. Which I recorded everything with. And I actually toured up up until the first Right to Rock tour. Yeah, we did a little mini tour. And it almost got lost. So I said, no, nope, I'm bringing this one off the road. But I, I still have that guitar, and I, I, that's the one that's going to the grave with me. You know, that's outstanding. I, I've owned that guitar forty some odd years. You know, and it's such a beautiful instrument. As those '68s were actually a lot of them. Those bodies were left over from 1959, 1960, yeah. and uh, they just don't make them like that anymore. Mm. You know, the wood is aged. I actually stripped off the back of the neck, so I wanted to feel the wood. You know, oh, most, I, I, you know. I understand that. Yesterday, I took Matt over to the Gibson garage, and you know, I do a lot with Gibson. Everybody over there. So, what they're putting out right now is guitars and wood that they forgot about. They mm. just found a '59 that was in the back, in a box, in mm. a box in the back, and putting it out. I said, "Well, how much is it? <laughs> Half yeah, a million yeah. dollars." And they laugh a little bit. I'm like sitting there going. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which that's, oh. I think that's one of the amazing things. We went to three different guitar shops here in Nashville, and there's so many of them hanging. But yet you found one very early on that you like the sound. When you look for a new guitar, what do you look for? What do you listen for? Well, to me, it's all it's about feel, how it feels. I think the you guitar know, picks up. So, you, you know, I guess you, you, you can... You can uh, kind of modify the way it sounds by changing pickups or changing effects or changing heads but it's got to feel right to you right 
you know when you bend the string does it how does it feel in your fingers you know uh, so uh, live these days I've been playing uh, uh, PV Wolfgangs you know yeah uh, Ed, Ed made arrangements to get me one a long time wow. ago. Wow. So, uh, That's outstanding. And, and for me, it's, it's, it's ergonomically perfect. It's a good weight. feels good to me. It feels like my Les Paul. sounds good. Uh, it doesn't weigh as much as the Les Paul, so <laughs> right, I don't right. have to worry about uh, you know, breaking my, uh, my vertebrae. <laughs> you know, so now I have a question. You came up when MTV was at the height of MTV. When's the first time you saw yourself on TV? Oh, yeah, the Right to Rock video. Right. Yeah. And the, oh. But I didn't see it on, on MTV. I saw it on Night Flight. Okay. Remember that? Now, do you remember where were you the first time you saw it? Probably on a tour bus. Right. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, know, I know that video still gets some love here and there. Yes, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Which is fun because you figure that kid that's in there walking around, he's he's older than, you know. Well, than you yeah, think. he'd be, <laughs> be 38 years old. <laughs> no, that's fantastic because that's the way that I had found you then as well with seeing that video. And, of course, one of the things was they said, you know, this is a band working with Gene Simmons. And then and they went right into the right to rock. You know, everybody's looking great, sounding great. So I always think that's funny, like of a certain age, like because that's when MTV really was starting to come up, and people remember like that exact spot where they were. Like you said, you're out on tour, which is that's a whole other question. Um, I don't travel much at all, right? What is it like when you're living out of a tour bus or a suitcase? How hard is that? Was that on you during the prime of really touring? Well, when you're when you're in your mid 20s it's <laughs> right. not so bad right right you know it's every day is a new adventure it's kind of like being in a romper room and uh, <laughs> the army at the same time you know and it, it's every day is a new adventure you know it, it it can be a grind there's no doubt you know because let's not forget you're sometimes you're spending 20 hours getting to the next gig right you know and you're on stage for 90 minutes but uh, the, the other 23 and uh, 22 and a half hours you know can be drudgery right you know, unfortunately, a lot of musicians turn to uh, external substances yeah. to, right. uh, to, to help get them through that. Hey, Mark, okay. let me ask you this. Uh, new music. I mean, not Kyo or anything else, but you yourself. I mean, how do you... We never stop writing or anything else, but how do you... Uh, perceive it now do you think people want to hear it i know you have it in, we all have it in in us internally I, to come out i think guys our age are more they they, they want to hear music more you know like like my daughter's 20 she's here right that's how i hear about new music she'll say dad listen to this, yep. this. but a lot a lot of these quote-unquote bands or artists they they don't really exist they don't tour they you know you don't they they, they put out singles and they, they put themselves on spotify or youtube or whatever and but I, I miss vinyl too, man. You know, yeah. that, you know. Come on, we, we grew up in that age where you had the record. You were looking at the album cover while you were listening to the the music, sometimes on headphones, and you're absorbing this music into your DNA a lot more. You know, the way I look at it now, a lot of the music today is like it's like runoff. Right. You know, if 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 it rains for a hundred days and the ground is saturated, it rains again, it runs <laughs> off. Right. That's kind of like what it's like now with all this music out there now. God bless uh, technology that enables people to, you know, anybody with a laptop to create a piece of music and put it up on, on the Internet. But what it's done yeah. is it's just, it's diluted, you know, it's diluted a lot of the, the talent that's out there. And well, I mean, with that in mind, I mean, you came up at a time when you bought an album. 
and the songs fit together in a cohesive way and they're meant to be listened to in a certain way you got them all at once and here was like 10 new songs and you could totally digest it and you felt it now it's here's my new single yeah. and it has no none of that context like you said yeah, there's the, no greatest, the greatest moment was when you pulled the sleeve did it have the lyrics inside that's right right? Uh, you, yeah. and you felt it all and now you lay there and there was nothing else to do you looked at the lyrics and you listened to that music and I think that's what's lost I think it's funny, my daughter's about the same age as my younger daughter, and she's everything's on her phone. Hmm. And just and you figure there's eight billion other things on your phone. So if that song doesn't catch you instantly, I'm gone. And let's not forget also, but you know, back in the seventies was really kind of before the internet and yeah. before video games. Kids these days kids these days. Yeah, kids oh, these oh days, God. right, I know. Kids, look, we're, the same we're, age. we're the parental Well <laughs> <laughs> okay. let's face it, there's so many other things to, uh, you know, vying for their attention. A right. video game, yeah. a tweet, a this, a that, a that. Back then it was nothing music, you know. Right. It was that's all we yeah, had. That's all we yeah, had. Really, yeah. you know, we had influences. We had, uh, you know, it, it, it's neat walking around here, and I get to see my idols, yourself, being with, uh, again, Miss Mr. Mark Weiss-Guy-Weiss. And you're in the book. We're looking for we, your we're picture. Gonna, we're going to find your picture. <laughs> okay. But that's what it was. You're the guy on our wall. You're the guy we had. The shirts we wore like a badge of honor. And well, thank you for well, you know, you're all welcome. of that. I feel the same same way, you know, with Aerosmith or Kiss or, or Zeppelin or Nugent. Or, you know, I got to meet a lot of my idols throughout the years, you know. Became friends with Eddie Van Halen when driving, with, you know. Which so. brings up a great question of the fact that obviously everybody knows you from Keel or Cold Sweat, but a lot of people know you from Wayne's World movies. Talk oh. about that and talk about what that experience oh, was like because you're in both movies. That's right. Tremendous experience. And she uh, was Penelope. <laughs> well, she's a rocker. That's how I got right. to I love Penelope's Paris. Penelope Spheris directed the uh, video for Rock and Roll Outlaw. That's how, that's how I started my relationship with her. And um, yeah, she's a rocker, you know. And I remember, um, you know, I, I remember reading that she was going to direct a film. And I called her and said, hey, I, I got some music for you. She goes, I don't need any music, but I need a guitar player for the film. What are you, what are you doing this summer? I said, <laughs> nothing. Count me in. So, you know, what a tremendous honor uh, it, it's been for me to be a part of such an iconic you know, movie. That's you know. outstanding. Now, were you ever sitting in the theater with a bunch of people, obviously, that you're in the dark, nobody knows, you, and you come up on the screen? <laughs> that, that hasn't <laughs> happened. <laughs> but my daughter watched Wayne's World for the first time uh, about a month ago. She hadn't seen it yet. <laughs> but I did have a funny Wayne's World moment uh, a couple of months ago. I was in Vegas, and I was going, uh, I was with my girlfriend, and we were going to dinner with another couple. I was walking into the restaurant, and somebody yelled, party on. Oh, that's awesome. I'm like, how the... A very observant person, I guess. I think it's the blonde streak in the front. That's always been a calling card. That gives it away, I guess. (laughs) That's outstanding. I think that's... It is funny how, in a way, there's just certain generational people that knew you from the bands, and then all of a sudden, those Wayne's World movies were just taking off, and it was... So you have kind of both things going on with people. I, ho- I would love them to do Wayne's World 3 <laughs> to complete the trilogy. Well, well, hey, Mark, we could get Eric Martin. You know, he could be the next Mark My- Mike Myers. Well, by oh. the way, by the way, the, dr- the drummer for Crucial Taunt is here. The, the drummer in Wayne's World is here. Uh, really? Oh, that's yeah. so funny. Anthony Fox. I just actually just passed Wow. Out. Yeah. So you've got half, half the Crucial oh, Taunt band here God. in the building. 
That's outstanding. I mean, and that's just so much fun. It's one of those things where you know, like you have that that kind of niche of you know, because not everybody can say that both of those movies are really funny. The uh, now thinking about today, like if you're going to write some stuff, what kind of stuff inspires you? Where are you at in 2023? Writing in terms of music, yeah, or? just music or or anything creative well, that you're working on. That's I find that also inspiring. Where people are putting their creativity because you have it. How do well, you express it? Well, you know what? Uh, I'll let you in on a little secket. We're actually debuting a new Keel song tonight. That nice. Oh, that's oh, outstanding. Right. It's ne- never been played. It's never been heard An before. Exclusive. So. Exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> so if any of your listeners are going to the Keel Fest uh, tonight at Bowie's. Oh, uh, yeah. That's outstanding. Some, something pretty special happening there tonight. So, uh, I, I, you know, how cool is that? I mean, a room called Bowie's. Yeah. Which is great. And yeah. if anybody's been down to that area, and then you got the Bobby Hotel, which is out of this world but that whole thing you know going in and you know the whole Bowie thing there it, it, the vibe is awesome I've never been in the, in the room so I'm looking forward to it, it, it it's it, it's a really cool place so. switching gears back to Keel Fest I mean obviously you had this is the second Keel Fest so before Keel Fest won, what was the last time you had all played together like that? Well, we've been doing spot gigs you know the cruises we've been on the Monsters of Rock cruise I think five times Larry's uh, amazing. Did, yeah, we, we did, love Larry. Did M three, did Rock M three a couple times. Rocklahoma, uh, some support stuff. Monsters, you know, we Monsters can, on the Mountain. We, well, Cold Sweat did Monsters. Yes, on the that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, but on the last Monsters of Rock cruise in 2020, both of uh, both of Keel and Cold, I pulled double duty. Right. Yeah. That's outstanding, and I think that's the fun thing is that, like even tonight, you know, looking at the the lineup for tonight, that's going to be fun just to see everybody back on stage. You know, that maybe you know in different pairings up, different people coming up. I think that's going to be a total blast. Be, be some fun surprises. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great to hear. You know, we we love it because uh, Matt and I were talking. You know, it, it's wonderful you can go hear a band, one band, but I we loved like even last night the rare hair thing. But seeing everybody come up, look, not everybody can go out to the whiskey when it's the ultimate jam night or whatever. But you come out here and it's like, wow, you know, it, it, it's great seeing. And you guys go up there like a bunch of friends jamming in high school. It's like, did you play and I play and let, hey, hey, let's do this too. And it's not the band songs, but you're doing your hero songs too. You're hearing everything from Ozzy to everything else. We used to, well, in Kiel, we, we always used to, play covers and we, we we did a couple of covers as you know but we always used to love jamming on acdc and van halen and priest you know those were those were three of the bands we used to love jamming jamming to when you think of your keel songs and you're coming up with the keel fest set yeah. list which are your go-to's what do you want to play the most well the right to rock's always right? fun uh new songs are always fun um the heavier stuff i i like you know i keel keel's kind of had couple different facets to it you know we had we had the commercial side right yeah you know and we had the heavier side too and uh i've always been a heavy guy so. that's fantastic so. we're playing a lot of songs in f sharp tonight so that should, nice. give, that, yeah. that should give you an idea well, a triple drop d <laughs> because you know look we all get older and yeah. you know uh, but uh, yeah. so will we be I, so you mentioned i right before we're gonna wrap this up in a second but you talked about using the EVH guitars. Yeah. Do you work with Adam Reaver? A few dash tone, or are you or are you a hardtail guy? Well, I'm I'm pretty much a straight plug it in to the amp guy. 
even even in my keel days, I didn't really have a lot of effects. Uh, I had a you know like a distortion pedal just to beefen up the sound if the amp wasn't sounding good that night. Uh, sometimes I had a chorus pedal on the solos, uh, but I don't I don't recall using a wah wah pedal in keel or a talk box, which which I did in full sweat. So, but uh, a lot of times it was just plug right in. You know, are you a trim or a hardtail guy? I'm a hard. Well, I'm both. I do I do have. Um, you know, back in the day, we did, we did have the whammy bars. We had the Floyd Roses, you know. But the last uh, the last couple of years, I've, I've been using the hardtail. No whammies. Good. It's easier to stay in tune. <laughs> See, he's a gear talk guy. Yeah. He'll talk to you uh, gear as I much as possible. Gear. That's the great part. Yeah. Well, what about the double coil blah, blah, blah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, I think we're out of time with you, and we still didn't find your picture in the book. We're looking for the, the page number in we'll the decade it, that yeah. rocked. Mark Weiss' book is sitting on the table looking fantastic. Mark Ferrari, thanks a million for Mark, joining us. We've had welcome. a great time Thank talking you so to you. Much, looking forward to Keel Fest tonight. Yep. Keel Fest 2 yep. happening. By the time you hear this interview, it'll have happened. We'll tell you all about it. And you're listening to Monco Radio, where music and minds meet. Yep. Meet you in the kiss room. And we are having, as you can hear, the best time ever here at the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo. Joining us now, the very smart, very funny, powerful and attractive Courtney Cronin Dold. Or are yes. we just going Courtney Cronin talk about that? We're gonna go. <laughs> we're gonna go back to Courtney Cronin. So, uh, you know, for, it's funny. I've been Courtney Cronin Dold in co- like as long as I've been doing comedy, longer than I was Courtney Cronin, but. For some reason, comics just don't want to call me Courtney Cronin Dole. People who've known me, they go, I'm just not calling you that. I'm calling you Courtney Cronin. I'm like, that's fine. Like, on paper, like, it's fine. You know, I like to have it on paper. But um, so Bruce Kulick said to me, let's name drop right out of the gate, Matt Porter. Let's just name drop Bruce right out of the gate. So we're on the Kiss Cruise, and I'm walking with Bruce, and he's like, why do you put the Dole on the end of your name? Courtney Cronin is such a great name. He goes, is that your real name? I was like, yeah, that's my real name. And he goes, why'd you put the dole on that? I told Lisa the same thing. Lisa Lane, you have such a great name. Now you're Lisa Lane Kulik. <laughs> He's like, why'd you do that? And I go, you know, you're right. And then Don the other day just goes, I'm just calling it. You're just Courtney Cronin. <laughs> right. Well, see, that's the thing that we were lucky enough to see you at the uh, Wine Down Nashville, do oh. your stand-up routine. And then last night was the rare hair. And, and there seemed to be questions of what your name. Some of them would say the full <laughs> thing. Some wouldn't. It was, and that's how I'm glad you just cleared that up. So now, look, you had... Uh, you, no one you knows who I am anyway. You, everybody does from the Kiss Cruise. Yes. I think that's how we kind oh, of first okay. found you. And it was one of... Now, look, my audience will know because in this room of about 50 people at the Wine Down Nashville... You managed to make Vinnie Vincent jokes that killed. Talk about that. (laughs) I've been doing that joke since the very beginning. And you know who gave me that tagline? Ken Mills. <laughs> wow. Shout out to the Podfather. That's, That's right. That's fantastic. Now, let's see if Ken or any of you that are out there, that if you were there the other night, it was. it's a small room. It's awesome. They have lots of wine and really, really good chicken salad. Oh, the food is so oh good. Oh, my gosh. Amy and John rock. Amy and John Billings are the best. Another Monkees connection. John Billings, bass player for the Monkees. Right. And uh. back in the day, Donna Summer and Rick Springfield. Right. Like, sweetest resume 
and they're just the most awesome people. And like we've all been saying, like Don and Craig and I are like, we don't even care about coming here to play the comedy club. We don't even care. Like we'd rather be at Wine Down yeah. with with the people you know th- that we love working with, and their crowds are great. And you know, probably not going to have that host back again. <laughs> right, but, right. Ooh, Oosh. Oosh. Ooh. Ooh, crap. But even now with, it's funny with that in mind. Like, you know, think about the first. <laughs> like when you work a smaller room like that, and you can really see everybody and kind of see tone how they react. What What do you feel like? And we talked about this earlier with um, with Don Jameson as well. But like in this culture where everybody is either recording you or and somebody's oh. going to be offended, has that changed the way you approach it? Like, how do you? feel about that yeah two things like one is it takes me seven hours to get ready because people like my friend bobby dreyer take profile photos of me bending over <laughs> taking a breath and eating a sandwich and then put, hey what do you want and then put them on facebook <laughs> yeah because he's like you look great <laughs> um no it's always like the word no but you take great pictures but like he's like oh i'll take some pictures and i'm like oh these are great and then i'm like i look like i'm vomiting in an invisible <laughs> toilet <laughs> You also have that CP hand that comes up. My CP? Yeah, it's like that, you know. Oh, my God. So I've always done this with my hands when I'm on stage. And my old boyfriend, a comedian I dated a million years ago, this guy, Rick, he used to always go like this with my hands. (laughs) Oh, my God. And then he used to say that his cousin had really bad arthritis. So, um... He, he, he used to call me Crooked Hands <laughs> and Crooked Hands Cronin because I used to do oh, this. Come on. And it's true. Like I see, every time I see a picture of myself on stage, I'm doing this like I'm carrying a miniature basketball. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I don't know why I still do this. It's like it's like my thing. I, I, you know, my partner, you know, wrote the ADA and I kept going, Tony goes, oh, my God, it's so great. She's a disabled comic. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. <laughs> come on. That's partly true. Come on. Um, <laughs> That's partly true. But, you know, thinking about that, can you think about, first of all, what kind of inspired you to jump up on stage like that? I mean, it's funny. We've been talking to a lot of musicians. If you're a musician, you're hiding behind usually the armor of a guitar. Yeah. Or very loud amps. And, like, I can't hear somebody in the back comment when it's really loud. You're in a room like that. You can hear if somebody's reacting. And and so a two-part question really is, when's the first time you actually stepped up to, to do some comedy? And then really, what's it like working different size rooms, depending on? Well, it was April of 1996. So next month will be 27 years. Congratulations. Yeah. That's yes. great. I started very young. I was 12. and <laughs> But I did start young. I mean, I, I was in my very early 20s. I, I was, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go age. I was 22. And um, it... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I say the same thing every time. I just always love comedy, wanted to be a comic. I'm a big, huge nerd, you know, and that's what I say about Rock and Pod is like, I've always, I've been searching for my planet as an adult and I finally landed there (laughs) and it's here. And I love it here. Like, this makes me feel like so comfortable and I really feel like myself, like I can totally be myself. You know, I live in LA. It's so fake. It's, it's, you know, it's so schmoozy and like, it's nice to be yourself. Right. And, and have friends that like want to talk about the same stuff you do and you know like I remember sitting in my friend's porch and this was like before I met all of you and and she goes and I'm just going on and on about Mickey Thomas's voice <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like you need to listen to Jane like four times in a row and just appreciate like his voice and they all go you need to find some way to like 
some outlet where you can have these conversations because we have no idea what you're talking about. Welcome to the world of rock and pod. Right. I'm like, I want to talk about Mickey Thomas's voice for hours on end. Like, let's have a conversation. You know, and it's funny, like, that's what we do. Like the first time I met Ken, I'm sorry, I just been. First time I met Ken, Joe Polo put us in touch. He's like, you got to meet Ken Mills because I'm a huge Monkees fan. A lot of people right. don't know that I'm a monster Monkees fan. This picture of me in my room at 14, I look like a serial killer stalker. There's so much monkey stuff in my room. And, and to make it worse, I'm holding a signed copy of Pool It. Oh wow! Which was like wow. their comeback album, yeah. which people hate, but I loved it. And that's how nerdy I am. So. Um, first time Ken and I talked, we talked on the phone for three hours. We had so much in common. It was like we couldn't stop talking to each other. Like, so, and that's what I like about the world. I love that I can walk into a room where you guys are and make a Vinnie Vincent joke and it works. <laughs> and it killed. It, except at Creatures Fest. So you guys will love this, okay? <laughs> oh, God, okay. You're going to love this. So at Creatures Fest, so Neil Davis, who I've become very friendly with, he's a good guy and he, tr- he treats me very well. He's a really nice man. And, you know, he put that together, you know, with Ace Bruce and, 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 uh, and Vinny playing together for the first time, right? So, um, and you've seen the beginning of the video where right. the lights are on and right. he's up there and it's weird. As sh- <laughs> it's so weird. So, um, before, <laughs> before we got there, Neil's like, please don't make any jokes about Vinny. I, I heard you do some jokes about Vinny. I go, I would never do that with him there right never <laughs> we'll do it behind his back when I yeah when I know there's people in the audience from like the ba- I know who's in the audience and I I speak my point of view is as a fan so I would never ever say anything mean because those jokes are a little bit mean about Vinny absolutely not so he was so worried about it that he made Craig me and Craig Gass and Izzy Presley, who hosts the show, he made us sign a contract saying we wouldn't do any jokes oh, about wow. So I was, oh. I'm talking to Bruce about it because I was hosting his luncheon, and he go, I told him about that. I said, so I signed a contract saying I wouldn't do any jokes about Vinny, and he goes, ever, forever, oh. and I'm like, no, not forever. <laughs> I mean, I can understand. Neil's got to make sure he doesn't leave because you know right. he doesn't have the greatest reputation for sticking around. So he, I mean, literally, he was covering all his bases, and I go, I'm happy to sign that. We're not going to do it. You know, right. I was happy to sign it. It was no big deal. But it was just so funny to me that we had to sign a contract because what if he leaves, you know? Like, if but he hears we did a joke, he could have bolted, you know? Everybody listening now wants to know what was going to be the leading Vinny Vincent joke. joke <laughs> <laughs> Craig has a way better one than me. Um but uh, my joke is just that I love Paul Stanley and that my, I've been married a long time. So sometimes when I'm in bed with my husband, I pretend that he's Paul, but it's okay because he pretends that I'm Vinnie Vincent. And then I added a new tag, which is because he likes to do it with the lights on standing on top of a tank. <laughs> and you only get that if you know which, that's the, the I'm infamous so glad story. That you just told that because when you did that at the show the other night, that group knew it. Yeah. And it got a huge laugh. And it was like you figure you got to be in the right room. Otherwise... What does that mean? <laughs> it, it was you guys and Ryan, right. Jeremy, and Brandon, and the guys oh, in the back. Yeah, just sitting there, just laughing. <laughs> yeah. So I, I gotta ask, going back to Cre- uh, Creature Fest. Yeah. <laughs> How does he identify? <laughs> you know what? I, I don't know. People have asked me that, and and uh, he was he, and um, um. 
dressed kind of in between, like stretch pants, heels, but you know, they all wear heels, you know, and like a black t-shirt. Like that's it. It was just very generic, a, a little bit of lip gloss and um, I think a little foundation, but that's fine too. Like I, I, I mean, not that it's not fine, but I don't know. I don't know what Vinny identifies as and um, it doesn't matter anyway, but we just, we don't, I, I don't think he right now it's he. Yeah. I think is comfortable being oh, sorry. <laughs> is that Mark Weiss taking That's a Mark. picture? Mark, Mark See, Weiss, look, are you taking some a kind picture of, of your own book? That would be awesome. Right, hold his book <laughs> up. Okay, let's talk about Mark Weiss's book for a second because on Monsters of Rock, they I'm Courtney by the way, it's nice to meet you. On on Monsters of Rock last year, he was doing like a signing and a and thing with the book and so on the TVs in your room, they show um, they were showing pictures from the book, and whoever edited the video used like the Ken Burns, you know, effect on F- Final Cut Pro, and so it would zoom into the screen. Well, every time it zoomed in on the David Lee Roth band picture, it was just Steve Vai's hog right there, <laughs> just right on the screen. So I, I started telling everybody, I'm like, wait, do you guys see when they show the David Lee Roth band? Wait, you're you're not gonna believe this, Isaac. This is crazy. That's on page. Page two two two. Okay, page two two two. Bobby's got it memorized <laughs> Mark, for some every reason. Every time it came on, so I started telling my girlfriends, and the guys were like, "Okay, yeah, we get it." But even them, even some of the men were like, "Oh, j- whoa, yeah, you weren't kidding." I mean, it zoomed right in on it before it faded out. It was the funniest Steve thing. Steve whammy bar. It really know? that picture, that picture <laughs> right there. Oh, this is gonna be good. It was so awesome. <laughs> so we are joined by Mark Weiss. He actually is going to do a Q&A with Bobby in a couple minutes. We're having the best time ever. Now, you had a question for him, or you were just telling him the story about David Lee Roth and Steve Vai? We, we just told it. He heard me. <laughs> oh. You have about, any other Mark Weiss stories? Well, uh, See, no, the one thing that you I, can talk about. The one, We've never met. The one thing that I'm going to but talk I know about who you are. is coming Every, up tomorrow, or it, that happened a couple weeks ago by the time people hear this, is we have Kiss Exposed. On the big screen. Yes. And you're part of the team that's going to do the live commentary. How did you approach coming up with funny things? And now you're rolling your eyes so hard you just scratch the back of your head. It's... How do you, it's because it's kind of there's it's some of it that's so really awful. silly. Uh-huh. And then a lot of it's the live performance stuff. Oh, my God. So how did you tackle that? Well, Paul's acting is just the best. Right? I mean, it's like, what are you doing here? I thought you were coming at night like it's like a 12 year old in a school play kind of acting it's so funny but um i just i know this is going to air in two weeks i'm just going to say that i'm going to do the sam loomis joke um for the uh (laughs) that only that room will get and only part of that room will get because at the beginning they go where'd you get this video and i'm going to go sam loomis right right so that's it. But I don't really have too much else. So Mark was on in doing the videos on which one was that with uh, that we got from uh, what you call it from Sabati. Put that video on out. the hot in the shade. The one that he just did call rise to it. The oh, hot yeah. in the shade. His hot in the shade yeah. tour. Yeah. yeah you're yeah. in that. Eddie Trunk just told me about that. That uh, he goes, you got to check out this guy that did a video where. He got all this footage from the stage, and he goes, "You're all over it. You're having lunch with them, and, <laughs> right?" And uh, he goes, "You got to check it out." I'm like, "Yeah, I think they 
just got to turn, you know, taken off. But I'm dying to see it for sure. Well, see, you know, that would be funny. The next feature could be Andrew's Hot in the Shade tour movie with your commentary. Oh that would gosh. be great. <laughs> with Mark in it, which was a, right. a lot of fun. Right, and you got to do that as well. Which, because that's the funny thing. Now, look, anybody that's listening, if you haven't heard us talk about it a bunch of times, last Rock and Pod, it was the live commentary to Kiss Meets the Phantom, which I've said numerous times on, on the Kiss Room, you had the best line. Sam's pulling that red box out with the talisman in it, and the line is... I hope my Vinnie Vincent box set is in here. Ooh, I hope my Vinnie Vincent box set is in here. And then I had to leave because I had to open the show, and so I dropped the mic. <laughs> it was literally mic drop, crowd pop, out the door. Tremendous. Can I wrap up? So, look, I, we're going to run out of time because Mark Weiss is going to be in a Q&A with Bobby hosting uh. it. Courtney, thanks a million. It's Courtney, great to see you again. You're great. I love you guys. We've had the best time. Thank you. So anybody that's listening, there will probably be a separate podcast that's going to feature an interview with Bobby talking to his friend right here, Mark Weiss, Courtney Cronin Dold. Thanks for joining us here on the Kiss Room. Courtney, wait, Thank put you. Oh yeah. Wait, since you know, I, I did uh, Monsters on the Mountain, interned with Mark. Yeah. Maybe you can ask Mark. Will you tell Bobby to stop taking pictures of me? <laughs> no, what's You're it like working with Bobby? <laughs> it's the other way. No, no, it's Bobby. Uh, he, he's like a sponge, <laughs> but a, a sponge that uh, never uh, stops dripping. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. You can it. interpret that however you want. That's that's Mark's mic drop right there. <laughs> that's a mic drop. I'm out of here. Can't follow that, oh. Mark Weiss. <laughs> Yeah, you're listening to Harold on Monco Radio, where music and minds meet. <laughs> and we're back here at the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo, having the best time ever, getting to talk to all the coolest people, including our next guest, Paul Taylor. Welcome. Whoa. What's up, guys? Fantastic. <laughs> How have you found Rock and Pod so far? Oh, it's fun. I, I haven't done this in five years, and they had initially asked me to do this one, and I'd said yes, and then, of course, like a few days later, I find out, oh, no, you're going to be in Australia. <laughs> Australia! So I told them I couldn't do it, and then like a week later, I hear, oh, no, Australia got switched to September, so I called them back and said, hey, I actually can do it this year. So. That's awesome. You know, it's funny because that's if just to give you a little bit of history, the first one that was the Rock and Pod could have fit in that corner over there. Oh, wow. It's grown quite a bit. We're having yeah. really a great time. So that's the fun thing is we get to talk with everybody. Now, obviously, there's people here from all kind of different bands. Tell us, my question is always, how did you get started in music? I mean, obviously, just it's these little short 15-minute interviews become like the yeah. 101 of your life. Yeah. And that's what I like to know is what were your first inspirations and where did you find them? Yeah, well, I mean, I just, my parents had a piano, and I would just walk by it and play and noodle around on it, and then pretty soon I was actually picking out songs and, you know, probably, I don't even remember what, like Happy Birthday or things that I knew, (laughs) and, you know, and so I was getting better and better, and then my cousin moved in with this guy, my parents were like, hey, they're going to be staying with us for a while, he played guitar, and it turned out to be Country Joe from Country Joe and the Fish, Wow, Joe McDonald, and so Joe taught me to play some chords, and then I'm like, hey, I want a guitar, and so... That was that, and I uh, learned, uh, you know, I kept on both, you know, and uh, have become at least proficient at both. I'm not, <laughs> as I say, I'm not a- amazing at either, but good enough to get the rock gig, you know. Right. So, <laughs> so uh, the one thing I want to bring up right now, 
Great March 7th. New single drop. New winger. New Proud winger. Desperado. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, wow. Explain to Salt Yoke, which is great. It's so awesome to hear new music and new music from you guys. And you Yeah, know. no, we're psyched to have another record out. It's been like since 2014, I think was the last one. And, uh, and you know, we've all got a million different projects yeah. going. So this band, it's like hard to keep track of each other. Like, But yeah, so, uh, and uh, you know, kudos to Kip because he put all the work into this one and I you know I wasn't available to write at the point that uh, Reb and him started writing and the minute they start you've only got like a three week window to get a song in because they are really fast so uh, I knew it was you know uh, I was still working on that Mick Mars thing and and by the time I jumped in I I wrote with him one day and and it didn't uh, make the record but um, yeah it's fun I mean it's awesome but we all did the whole band played on everything I even got to play a lead solo on this record there you go uh, it's on a song called Broken Glass Kip's like hey play a solo so uh, <laughs> you know yeah it was cool is it scary to put new music out today being you know a, 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 I don't know what I'm saying a, 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 a mature band you know, well, I, I don't think it's it, scary it, it, in the in terms of, of the fact I don't. We don't really have a lot of expectation anymore. It's not like we, you know, God, the stress that we would go under. Like, oh my God, we are, you know, are, are we thirty with a bullet or is it sliding down the charts? And, <laughs> you know, now it's just kind of like you know, we're all lucky to still be doing this, and we put stuff out, and you know, some people love it, and some people won't like stuff, and you know, it's just the nature of the thing. And you know, I mean, we don't each like every song on every record, you know, so it's interesting, you know. Like, well, you and I were talking last night at the rare hair thing, and it's great. So, Winger put out a song, Extreme put it out, and you, I mentioned to you, Reb, and Nuno. You know, since we lost Eddie, Jeff Beck, we've you know we're all getting older. People are passing. Uh, the torch has really gone to. Well, you those guys. those guys being gone is certainly a huge loss for the guitar world, uh, you know. But yeah, you know, we're all out there just trying to keep it going, and you know, I don't know. It's amazing. I, I'm I'm still blown away. You know, it's 35 years, and we're still playing. So, and and we still have all original five guys, and we're actually really good friends. So, uh, that's probably our biz, biggest success. You know. It, it, it's uh, great. Courtney Cronin, we had her on, and she uh, I had her on my radio show last month, and she was talking about when Kip said, I said, you know, it's got to be difficult being in, well, you know, some of the songs are just got to be harder to sing. 17. Oh. And then she played me the clip of Clip <laughs> changing the lyrics to 53. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? No, it's... Uh, Kiss doing Christine 16 and it's Christine 60. Yeah. But I, I mean, but then you have your classics. I mean, that are always, you know, heading on a heartbreak. Headed for heartbreak. Oh, yeah. That's just, my favorite winger song. Uh, but yeah, man, it's, it's just amazing. I, I mean, I hear deal with the devil. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's still that thing that makes me push the gas pedal down. And like, yeah, going, yeah. yeah, that one's a, that one cranks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love playing that one live. You know? I mean, when I hear Reb's guitar and you guys just going in and the drums are in there and Rod and, you know, I'm like, bands that hype you up and just get you going, you know, it's like the hand goes in the air, you yeah. know, it goes up a little slower at my age. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, and that's the one thing you mentioned earlier was like the distribution of music. Now, you were 
really big with Winger when MTV was MTV. Right. So really, when's the first time you saw yourself on MTV? Where were you? And, and what was that like? Well, the, my first video was probably before most of these guys' video, but uh, <laughs> it was in 1981. We did a video with Aldo Nova for Fantasy. Right. Wow. And we didn't even know what a video was when they sent us down to L.A. to shoot it. They're like, hey, it's this thing that Showtime shows these little clips between their movies. So that's what we went down. And so they set up, and we're like, okay, what do we do? And they're like, to act like you're playing. And we're like, all right. So... But it's funny because in the fantasy video, I'm, of course, playing in it, but I'm also an extra in it. In one scene, I, I walked through the thing with some girl. But, uh, yeah, uh, anyway, it was fun when we finally saw it. And, and, and the whole thing at the beginning, that corny, like, laser beam right. that Aldo shoots out, <laughs> thing, that was actually Lucasfilms did that. So what? that's how far their special effects have come wow. from. It's so hokey looking, and now it would, you know, be amazing. But... <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because when you think about that, that's like the roots of, like you said, when music videos, people kind of didn't know what they were doing with yeah, it yet. Yeah, well, and our, you know, there's two of our other videos. I, I know one of them, and I can't remember what the other one, but uh, uh, um, can't get enough. Uh, Michael Bay did that. Oh, wow. The big movie producer. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. That was in his early days. We got him before he was too big you know he still knew he was awesome he wasn't super <laughs> friendly to work with but he did a great job and he did another one of ours as well but uh it's funny when you watch can't get enough and then if you go like watch the rock you can see the you know he likes orange lighting and fan blades and helicopters and you know he, had, he definitely had a, a thing that he did back in the day you, know? you brought up something earlier in the interview right there mcmars yeah. You know, with uh, John Five now in the band, so Nick is working on new music. Well, it's done. It's been done. We have a record done um, that I, you know, pretty much wrote most of it with him and Jacob Bunton, and that's about all I can say. Other, you know, he doesn't want to let too much out of the bag yet, and it's going to be released hopefully soon. Here, it looks like, and uh, it was a blast, and uh, love Mick to death, and oh, there's I, some incredible amazing. stuff on it. How's his health? Good. I mean, you know, it's. I mean, you know, it's what he has is painful. So, uh, you know, being on the road is hard enough for even all of us guys that don't have to deal with that. And you know, so it definitely doesn't make it simpler for him to have something like that to deal with. But he's he's a like a a warrior. You know, he doesn't let that dish bug him. Man, he's he's awesome. It's great. Yeah, I got to see him last year on the tour with he and Def Leppard and Poison and everybody out there, and it was. You know, but those stadium tours, look, those stages are big. Big. <laughs> big. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to play I, I, a club in M3 yeah. and this and that, but when you look at that, and I'm going, the length of a baseball oh, yeah. field. No, the if they, if they I'm told going, me, okay, during that song, run across to the other side, I'd be like, well, I might pass I, out, <laughs> you know. <laughs> How do I go? <laughs> you know, you talk about that with touring and things like that. What were some of your favorite tour memories over the years? Oh, my gosh. Well, just, you know, well, the Steve Perry tour for me was the most just like, you know, nightly you just look over and go, wow, you know, the guy just has a magical voice. And right. I wrote that record. It's called the, uh, For the Love of Strange Medicine, which yeah. came out in 95. And You Better Wait was a single on that one that I, I co-wrote with him. And uh, uh, that, that was probably my music highlight of my career because I'm a Bay Area guy. I grew up outside of San Francisco and, you know, was watching Journey play at my dad's college at Sonoma State University. Wow. And, uh, and then, you know, so... 
Yeah, that was a magical day when I started writing that record with Steve, and you know, and then we finally hit the road for two months, and I, I would love to go do that again. It was really awesome, and you know, of course, got to play all those songs that John and Neil and Steve wrote. I mean, you know, and that's I probably got a lot of my melodic sense from them, especially Steve. I mean, his melodies are just iconic, and and when I started writing with him. He just, you know, I tended to, you know, want to, I'd go, how about this? And it'd be kind of wordy and, you know, and he'd go, how about this? Uh, and he would just sing one note and float it over and I'd be like, wow, you know. <laughs> so I, I learned a lot about writing from Steve, you know. It was great. Is there anybody that you would love to collaborate with? Either a new artist or, you know, an older artist. It could be somebody even not in your wheelhouse or genre. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm I'm a Pink fan of all. You know, right. well, people laugh from, at me. I'm from Doylestown. I'm, I'm shooting three shows, uh, D.C. and the two Philly shows. But she grew up in my town. She's amazingly good. Uh, I, I, I've seen her twice in the last four years, and, and those are some of the best shows I've ever seen. Um, just the, the pacing of it, um, you know, God, the stage set and just her sound, her band was incredible, and just the moments that she put in there, like, you know, where she'd break it down and be, I mean, really, really good. So, yeah, I think that'd be awesome. Her lyrics are incredible. The new album, Truthfall, is, it is probably, you know, just... Yeah, so that's one. That's an odd one, uh, you know. But of course, I you know, if I ever got to write a song with Aerosmith or something, I'd be very happy. <laughs> yeah, right. That's awesome. Uh, any producer that you guys have worked with, present or currently, that you you know, uh, that has changed, defined the Winger sound. Who was that guy? Well, was honestly, with Winger, Winger sound is pretty much Kip, man. He's. You know, we've had guys that are there with him and all that, but I know what he does on his own, and, I mean, he, he takes the bull by the horns, and, uh, you know, the work that he put into this one, because he had a lot fell on him, and even after the record, now, lately, like, so we're shooting videos. We're going to be doing, we've already shot six for this record. Wow. We're going to be releasing amazing. a video a month, uh, and he, he's just putting all that stuff together, and he's, you know, he's in the middle of trying to write a string thing for the lead violinist of the symphony right now. Then he's he's very stressed out because that guy's, a, you know, the, the lead violinist of a symphony. It better be good what you're writing. <laughs> I've um, seen his ballet stuff. Yeah, that he did, oh, which his was symphony, incredible. His symphony that he wrote for the Nashville Symphony that they performed about five months ago, uh, unbelievable. You know, he's extremely talented, and so he fits all that in in between trying to write this record and get. He had to handle a lot of the recording himself, and you know, and uh, you know, we all did stuff at our own houses as well. Uh, but we all played on every song, and we're just glad to have it out. It's been a long road on this one. so It's amazing that five of you are still together. I mean, there's... 35 years with all of wow. a couple bands. Yourself, King's X. There, there are certain bands that the members... And, and what do you contribute that to right there? That Look, it's, well, it's beyond that, the marriage. Well, you, yeah, and it's not like we don't have days where we roll our, our eyeballs at each other. But, I mean, <laughs> we're, we're buddies, man. And, you know, there, there's nothing that is important enough for us to fight or argue about at this point in the game. We're like, let's go out. We all live, a lot of us live in different cities. Me and Kip live here. Reb's in Pittsburgh. Rod's in Long Island. Johnny's in Memphis. So when we get together, you know,
know, because last year, like, you know, a lot of the last years, our, our gigs are fairly sparse. So we fly in, and the first thing we all do is, like, get together and go out and have dinner together, you know, and, and we just laugh. I mean, we have Reb Beach on our tour. And if you've ever been around Reb, particularly after about five beers, he is the funniest guy on the planet. So I think Reb keeps us together, you know, oh, keeps That's us awesome. laughing. Yeah, I seen Reb when he was uh, with you guys, and then I think he was doing a little bit of double duty at one time when the White Snake thing came, and it was just, my God, I yeah. don't know how you guys hold. I don't know how any of you hold it all together because you guys are juggling a lot of bands. So many, right. yes, yeah, we've had a lot of projects, and you know, we're still, you know, John's still out playing with Mickey Thomas, and, and it's awesome. I mean, we're all for each other, having as many things as we can keep everything going, you know, but like last year was tough because we had Reb with Whitesnake. We had to sub him out. Fortunately, we found Jake Fawn, who came in, great guy, great player, and, you know, he's not Reb because none of us are. I mean, you know, it's, Reb has such a distinctly unique thing he does, but Jake did a fantastic job, and he's a great guy. So we lucked out, and, and uh, we still are always having to, uh, you know, sub John out sometimes, but... It's all good, man. We're, we just want everybody to be working, and, you know, somehow we, we just keep it going, you know? This is a question, and you and I have done M3 in a lot of these festivals. We go out, and I, I always want to know, from a band that's been together five of years, but a band that goes out, and there's new members left. And I'm not talking mm-hmm. about a band from the 70s or whatever. I'm talking about a band from the 80s, and you're going... Nobody in this band that was yeah. that even played on the album. I, I don't. Or you get a band, and there's two versions of it, or right. three versions of it out well, there. Well, so here's my thought on it. Like, I, yeah, if there's no guys in it, that that's I, I you know, uh, you know. Say that you're a tribute band because that's what you are. I would say probably is the best thing to do. But uh, and, you know, and I'm not against like, you know. Keep the music going, however, but, you know, uh, and if there's one guy or two guys and maybe say a lot of the guys are deceased or whatever, uh, you know, like if, if none of the winger guys were around and, you know, I would want to be able to still go out with somebody and just keep those songs alive. So right. I don't bust anybody's balls for getting out there and keeping those songs going. I'm not you know? saying the music, but I'm just saying when they go out, it almost feels like a false advertising of selling the name. And it's kind of like... Yeah, I mean, you know, it would probably be behoove you to, you know, clarify in the title, like, you know, hey, this is, a, a, you know, so-and-so, you know, the, right. uh, call yourself the leftovers, or I don't know. <laughs> 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 Tour one. <laughs> so, no, we just do radio, but if you could see, I don't know who that was, your friend that that's just Bill, That's Billy from Tom Kiefer Band. He just oh, gave you the yeah. finger. Yeah, which is, he, so it's, yeah, it's all like my inter- radio that that's works. That's my third interview that he's walked by flipping me <laughs> off. <laughs> he's trying to throw me off. You know, that is really one of Billy. the great things here tonight is so many people seem to know everybody. There's this community well, that I really does. With, I played with Cinderella and Tom awesome. Kiefer, so me and Billy were on the road for four now, the years one question, together. The one question I have before we turn you loose is, like, obviously you talk about a lot of these different projects, and people know you from Winger, but what inspires you? Like, when you're creating, what are the things, where do you find your inspiration, and what's your writing process? Well, it varies, um, and I was telling the other guy, uh, you know, uh, like when I'm not writing for bands, like about 20-something years ago, Mark Ferrari, who's here today, that yeah, plays with Keel, yeah. Mark does all the television and film stuff. Well, Mark pulled me in in his beginning days on that, and he had uh, me and him and uh, Scott and a guy named Jamie, and we wrote our faces. This is during the 90s when we were basically dead in the water anyway as far as bands. Uh, so yeah. I've written over 300 songs for Mark's company, and uh, 
Uh, so for that, you know, it's just crank them out. They'd call me and go, hey, we need four blues songs and three pop songs and this and that. And I would, or they'd say, be specific sometimes and go, hey, we need, you know, NSYNC and Britney Spears sound alikes or whatever it was, I would do it. And um, yeah, so, that, and I was, I was telling them also, like, one of the songs me and Mark wrote, well, or, sorry, did not write. They, <laughs> one day we were writing and we got a call from a studio and they were, and this is a story I haven't told much, so that's why I'm bringing it up today. Uh, they called and said, hey, we need some pieces of All Along the Watchtower for, for this film. If you guys can get it done by the end of the day, we will pay you quite a bit of money. And we're like, oh, man, we're going for it. So it was All Along the Watchtower, and we, they wanted the intro and then right into the solo section. They said, don't worry about singing. Just do the intro and solo. So we did it, and we finished it. And, of course, it was digital. So I was like, it sounds too good. So I just rolled off the high end, the low end. Well, it ended up in Chevy Chase's Las Vegas vacation. <laughs> it's where Chevy goes up to the teller machine and sticks the card in, and all of a sudden, da 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 da. And it's funny because Reb was like, "That's you? I thought it was Jimmy Hendrix." So it was nice. cool. Yeah. So, but anyway, that's outstanding. But yeah, for all that stuff, it was just kind of I just you know it's paint by numbers and just give them their songs. But for my own stuff, you know, I work harder on it, and I'm, I am going to start releasing. Everybody's always like, "Well, what is just a Paul Taylor song?" I mean, Miles Away is. I wrote that completely by myself. Really? But, um, but I have a bunch in the can right now for all these projects of things that didn't make certain records, and I'm going to start releasing them. I just tracked drums with Ray Lazier the other day for one that's... Well, th- this, this one is really heavy. I wrote it during the Mick record because I was kind of in that vein, and it's, I think everybody's going to be shocked at how heavy that one is. But, and then I have you know some white snaky sound and stuff and some journey sound and stuff. But anyway, I'm going to start releasing that stuff. Before we let you go, my last question. Your guilty pleasure of music. What is that thing that you listen to, nobody around? Uh, I, okay, so here, this is going to be the disappointing answer. Mm-hmm. I, I don't listen to much anymore because I, I mean, I'm writing and recording all the time and playing. It's like the minute I finally am not doing it, like the last thing I do is like, hey, I think I'll go, you know, get a cup of coffee and listen to music. <laughs> I'm like, I, I like to just clear my brain and just, you know, watch some TV or go. I, I mountain bike and I, or I have a Harley, so I like to just ride off into the country and just. Nice. So, uh, yeah. That's, That's outstanding. Look, I'm thrilled that you could join us today. That, hey, no, thanks so much, guys. One question before we let you go. Yeah. So where's something where your music could be heard that would surprise people? Uh, A project that you worked on where people would go, that's not you. Uh, okay, so I, I, that's another thing I just mentioned for the first time. I don't think I've ever mentioned these in podcasts. So I had a song that when I first Excuse got here, um, yeah, I met this guy Jerry McBee he was this redneck guy and he's like you write pop he goes let me hear it I'm making it a short story uh, and he goes oh man and the next day he came and he's like that's good stuff you need to meet my friend Cobra Endo and I go okay so this guy, Japanese guy Cobra and we had a meeting he's like I would like to be able to shop your songs in Japan so next thing I know he places it uh, my song with Nami Amora I think her name is she's a huge Japanese artist back in the day um and so it's a song called Shine More, if you go find Nami Omura. And, I mean, I've, there's videos of her singing it at the Tokyo Dome and stuff like that. And it, it's completely, you, you would never guess that I wrote it. It's very, very <laughs> pop. And he's got all her little dancers. Uh, how do you spell it? Is uh, it Shine More? Yeah, Shine More. They changed the title. And so it's, it's sang half in Japanese and half in English. They changed all the words around. So, yeah. Uh, That's great. <laughs> well, Paul, that is great. thank you so much. Really appreciate you being here and taking the time and 
enjoying Rock and Pod. Last night's show was that was fun. It was so fun oh to get to play God. with Eric again, man. You know, it, it was you know just uh, great. And thank you again. So we look forward to uh, more Winger coming out. You know, yeah, uh, come see us live, you guys. Go on WingerTheBand.com and check out the tour dates. Great, fantastic. Thanks right. so much. Hey, Thanks, thank you guys. Paul. Bye. smoke in the kiss room hi everybody it's gene simmons you're listening to the kiss room on montco radio but you knew that you wanted the best and you got it the hottest man in the land matt porter Here we go. So we are back here at the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo having the best, most fun time ever. And I'm with some longtime KISS fans, guys that I have known really through doing the KISS room and being KISS fans. Eric Alberti, Joe Laskin, how are you guys doing? Now look, don't, both don't talk at once. They looked at each other like, who's going first? Who's going Do I first? have to call on you like in class? Please, would you? That'd so make now look, this way everybody will know your voice by which. So Joe, how are you? I'm better than I deserve. <laughs> and Absolutely. Eric, how are you? He is better than he deserves. <laughs> you know, so great, now man. here's the funny thing. We're having the best time ever here at Rock and Pod. Now Joe, I know you've been to almost every Rock and Pod. Almost. Isn't it amazing when you look around here and you see how it has grown from the original like I, I remember here's one story I'm going to put Joe on the spot is I remember at the second Rockin' Pod you coming up with a t-shirt and saying I need you to sign this yes. Ken Mills signed this and now you have to sign this yes. and I was thrilled because like you know who wants you to like like if you're a rock star people want your autograph mm-hmm. I'm a knucklehead so it was great fun yeah. I mean yeah. it was really so that was so, such a special Rockin' yep. Pod moment yeah so I got you Ken I got Gary Schaller and I think there was a couple others on there, but I can't recall. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, have you used that shirt to wash the car with? Or? It's hanging in my kiss room, and I haven't <laughs> worn it. I haven't worn it or washed it since. I didn't want the signatures to fade. So. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. That's that's amazing stuff. So it's hanging stuff. in my kiss room. See, now I'm, it's I'm funny. I'm jealous you have Ken and Matt. Well, it's funny it's like, because, yeah, the, cool. like, even that, yeah, Ken's not here this year, so that rare yeah, autograph. Know. Now, here's the great thing. Now, as you mentioned, it's in your Kiss Room. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, everybody listening, it's because I named the show The Kiss Room because I figured everybody that's a Kiss fan has something in their in their house, whether it's a basement corner or a shelf or a corner or the hallway or the bathroom and the greatest thing and i'm going to paint the picture here on the radio eric is wearing a kiss room t-shirt and i couldn't be happier when i see the coolest people walk in wearing my logo designed on a napkin ken we always do the joke i designed it ken refined it to make it that logo (laughs) that you see but there's nothing cooler the fact that and it looks great so i mean that the question with that is, first of all, yeah, look, he's got guns. He's got the now, arms for it. Eric goes to the gym clearly more than I do. I know a couple people named Jim. That's you I know, know. I name my bathroom Jim, so that way I get up every morning. I go to the go gym. To the gym. <laughs> go to the gym. I love it. I'm in the gym all the time. So now, one thing that's fascinating, and I know I'm looking over your arm. You got Peter, Chris, autographed. 
his name, I see Ace Frehley. You have Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons. And in fact, you got the Paul Stanley autograph done while sitting next to Joe Polo from the great podcast Rock City who were looking down the aisle and we're seeing him. Now, but then funny enough, is you're relatively, and I say relatively because I'm an old dinosaur, but you're relatively new to major Kiss fandom. Talk about that. I am. <laughs> yeah, I'll try to be expeditious with my story, but yeah, I mean, as a kid in the 70s, Gene Simmons scared the hell out of me. Right. He was a frightening, demonic monster to little five-year-old me. That cover of Alive 2, oh, Nightmares, uh, literally nightmares for me. Uh, I remember my mother made me watch The Family in the Park when it came on TV in October, you know, 77, and I'm watching it between fingers, covering right. my eyes. And the opening credits when Gene Simmons is taller than a roller coaster, that was not going to help me alleviate my fears of, of, <laughs> of, of the demon at that point. So, And so, then you sat there for the next hour going, where the hell's the band? Right. Oh, where my are they? gosh. Yeah, can this roller coaster end and can we actually get to the band coming out? You know, so hey, what are we half hour close to end before they become a part of the storyline? We could go that's a whole podcast right there, <laughs> right. right? Is there a Fam of the Park podcast? Like an entire just podcast? You know, I don't for think that? there's one that just focuses on that. Now obviously anybody that listens to the podcast yes. has heard me tell my Abner Devereaux story. That goes way back before there was yeah. even a kiss room was that story and, and anybody of course you've heard that if you listen to the kiss room, I won't repeat it. <laughs> so, so anyway, you know, I was pretty afraid of Gene, so I really didn't gravitate towards Kiss as a kid. Kids would bring the Don Russ cards to school and trade those, and I just kind of kept my distance. But I was always a little intrigued. I'd look at the Columbia House circulars and look at Kiss albums and get my little glimpses and look away. It was they were always kind of in my psyche, if you will. I guess right. so. A, a Kiss fan was being birthed over a decades process people I, I missed out so and we were so, impregnated immediately immediately right it went crazy <laughs> so so you know the makeup comes off in the 80s and you know i dug lick it up all hell's breaking loose i love thrills in the night the video for that i love that song but i also love def leppard right. and rat and bon jovi and mountain crew and cinderella and so i really didn't gravitate towards kiss and then the 90s came and i saw the reunion show as a casual fan Mm. Uh, I was a casual fan, but I wanted to see this show. So life went on. I got married, had kids, and I got old. And music kind of left me. Um, it, it, it did. I, would, I became a sports talk and news talk radio junkie. And then I started to listen to classic rock radio again. I needed to change. I just wasn't having fun. Life wasn't fun. And, uh, and you just called us old. <laughs> I'll own that. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry. Well, I turned 50. Uh, I'll, I'll be 51 I in July. I kind of remember so. turning 50. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you look good. Thank you look you. good, Thank Joe. You, brother. So 2014, fast forward. I, I, I wanted to go see a Kiss tribute band, Mr. Speed. Um, Akron, Ohio, Memorial Day weekend, summer concert series kicked off with Mr. Speed. So I took my daughter. We got down front right on the rail. Mind you, I had seen Kiss. I had seen the original lineup. I know what this is about. But for whatever reason, that night was magic. It, it was special. The, 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 the switch was flipped. Whatever cliche you want to put on <laughs> right. that, it, it was an experience for me that I needed in my life at that point. I went home that night, and I watched Kiss on YouTube till 3 in the morning. Mm. And I discovered these things called, am I saying this right, Matt, Pod. Podcast? Podcast. <laughs> I discovered podcasts, and the first two I came across was Podkists with, shout out, the Podfather Ken Mills. Yes. 
um, uh, Gary Schaller. Absolutely. Right? And he had an early host. I forget. It was Ferk. Uh, they called him Ferk. Right. Yeah, Ferk. Right? Yeah, yeah. Going back to like the original, original yes. podcast. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I became a sponge, and I just wanted to absorb as much KISS knowledge as I could. I missed out. So I, be, I really wanted to catch up. And then I came across this Matt Porter guy and the KISS room. And I, Matt and I were talking about this last night, you know, at the, at the pre-party stuff, that um, I just gravitated towards this guy. He had this infectious personality through the microphone that you wanted to know this guy. You wanted to be his friend. And uh, um, that hasn't left me, you know, nine years later. And to finally meet Matt two years ago at, at, at Rock and Pod was an absolute blessing. Didn't get to spend a lot of time talking with him and chatting with him, so I told myself this year that I wanted to be able to hang out with that guy just a little bit more. So, Matt, it's a pleasure to be on. I'm honored. So that's my story. So I'm, I'm a nine-year diehard Kiss fan. That's this, this awesome. May. Right on. Yeah. It putting tears in my eyes that, you know, when you were discovering Kiss, you were discovering the Kiss room. That's awesome. You know, that really is fantastic. It's funny. And, and that's even the funny thing looking around here today. So many people that I've met that start off with, you only know them by Facebook mm-hmm. or then you knew them by their podcast or whatever. So when we get together, this is the most surreal thing is that mm-hmm. now, like you're right there, we get to talk. It's funny because then you right. get in here and everybody's shot out of a cannon and they got a schedule and you got to be done in 15 minutes. And beep, 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 beep. Right. But that was super fun last night. And then Joe can attest to this as well. We were standing on the stickiest floors ever. The porn floor. In the porn floor, definitely. And then look at that door over there. So, <laughs> and that's a joke that we won't go any into any further. No, What's behind can't. that? Door. Right. right. I'll tell you later, Eric. That's a funny <laughs> one. But the uh, so now here's the funny thing. Obviously, kind of fast forward. Obviously, being Kiss fans, you know, with your own history with Kiss, final shows. You know, now first of all, everybody's looking at Madison Square Garden as a final show. Mm-hmm. I don't think On it the will tour. be the final show. Ever. It's the final show of the tour. Right. Correct. What are your thoughts on that? Vegas residency is going to happen. Right. So not the final show the final show on the KISS tour on the end of the road. And as Paul says, they just keep paving more road. <laughs> See, I say the end of the road is a cul-de-sac, which just keeps going around and around. It works out perfect. And I, I think it's funny because, you know, you get these people that seem almost upset mm-hmm. that they would continue. And I say, I don't ever want it to end. Right. You know, and especially at this point. Now, look, you made the joke earlier that we are old or whatever. But at some point, Gene and Paul are in their 70s. Right. And at some point, you can only go. You can't run around in that right. outfit, you know, all the time. But... I think also as KISS fans, we've been spoiled the fact that they have always been there for us. There was never a time when you felt right. like KISS was gone. And the funny thing is like when they were first announced they were going to come on Howard Stern, I saw a quote, KISS fans love to speculate. Well, that's the fun part. What could happen? Who's going to be at the last show? Will there be more shows? It's something to talk about. That's how we communicate. Yeah, that's that's the fun part. You have something then to talk about other than, gee, I have to go to work. I know exactly how that's going to end. I'm going to go to work and I'm going to come on. What else are we going to say about Kiss? Is Gene's tongue real? (laughs) What else are we going to say? You know, so you speculate about what, you know, all that crap's in the past and stupid and passe, but now you talk about what's on the horizon, what could possibly be. Exactly. So, yeah, and you, you think of all the chapters and books, the, the volumes of of books related to this band that are out there from from the likes of C.K. Lent. Right, that's, a that's one of the best book. books. Right, I love that book. Lydia's so there's all these book. great books out there. Is there a whole lot more to really unpeel? I, I don't know that there is. So so 
let's enjoy what's left. And you know, if we're going to speculate and wonder, and maybe it's the same setless conversation for the millionth time, but but so what? Let's let's have that while we still have it, because mm-hmm. someday we're not going to have it. So right. exactly, the people that want to bitch about it ending, yeah, want, apparently want it to end. <laughs> that's what I always say is I don't ever want it to end. I mean, it never has, and that's what's all been always fun. It's funny you talk about the different books. To me, when all four of them released autobiographies, that was, I think, pretty eye-opening. To me, Paul's book the most of all, because I, really, they kept his ear secret right. for the long and, and, and amazingly the fact that even in this age where if you turn the wrong way and cough somebody you know documents it right. but for him to keep that hidden for so long but also for him to keep that pain right hidden for so long because you don't ever like I can't think of a song that would that would reflect his pain mm-hmm. now there's certainly there's songs you know like you know that you can tell he was having a breakup I always think Magic Touch right. is right. one of the like those saddest like in that middle part where he says you know you see her dancing through the crowd and mm-hmm. you know you feel that pain that's a breakup right. song but there's not a song that references any- that references his right. struggle mm-hmm. with that now it's funny because obviously if you listen to the Howard Stern interview there was a certain amount of they talked a little bit about that and if, I think if you weren't kind of already deep Kiss fans mm-hmm. as we are you'd be real surprised by that right right and Howard I think loves to talk about how people had messed up childhoods because mm-hmm. he was I think he's still rationalizing his own relationship with his parents but when he couldn't get Gene he wanted Gene to say oh it wasn't fair you didn't have a debt Gene wouldn't do it he wouldn't spell and it. I love that and yep. Gene said no I had my mother, she was my rock, and I was fine. That was enough. And that was enough. And I thought he, it was nice that he held that, even yes. as they kind of tried to push him into And then they're like, oh, well, you should have gone to therapy. And he's like, no, no. not really for I'm me. Good. I, thought that was, I thought that was really, that was a nice chapter and, of that. And so. to go on to say that he supported his dad. Right. That was cool. That was an interesting tidbit that I didn't know. Because, I mean, obviously on the reality show or the unreality scripted right. show, whatever, they did show where he found his family and this sure. and that and the other, and he's crying and this and that and the other. But, but that was an interesting revelation. And the fact that when he said that, um, you know, I never, that his dad would write letters, and he says, I never read them. And he never had to support his dad financially right. at all. And he then he, Well, then he said... My, my mom has all and he goes oh has she's still with me and you could almost hear him choke for a second that's when he tears up that's amazing Mother, stuff yeah, and yeah. I think that's the kind of stuff that we're getting now from them that's interesting is that very personal stuff that in the 70s they hid very well obviously which is why I think 50 years later we're still talking about it right. because the fact they were larger than life it really mm-hmm. was superheroes doing music that we loved and yep. was there anything cooler not, no, not, still isn't. It's so. Not the kids our well, age and, and yet, kids our age now. And, and Gene, um, you know, when I became that diehard in 2014, I dove in deep and I wanted to experience as much as I could. And so, pretty much have. You know, this isn't chest puffing or anything like that. We know there's that segment of, of the Kiss Circle, like in all walks of life, where it's how many concerts have you been to, what stuff do you have, and but you know, I've been able to do a lot of really, really cool things. Uh, I was able to share experience with Julie on the Kiss Cruise with, with Robin and Joe. We all in the room together to, to meet Gene Simmons, and he's Thank so you for that. he's so he's so real. Yeah, he's yeah. so real Gene's, when when Gene's you meet with awesome. him. Yeah. I the man who terrified me as a kid, 
I, I love him. Now made you feel giddy and, <laughs> and, 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 and important while you were in yeah. the room. Well, yeah. I'm standing in front of him at the indoor show right down on the floor on the Kiss Cruise. I'm taking these great photos and like in my absolute glory looking up at this man who I love who he's been with me my whole life yeah, right, pretty yeah. much. You know, my father did pass when I was two. I never knew the guy. And I can appreciate Gene saying, no, I was fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, didn't I didn't know what define, I didn't have. He didn't let it define him. He right. He didn't let it define you. It was just <laughs> good. Right. Yeah. So we're wrapping it up because Bobby's giving me the high sign that something must be going on. But two questions really is, can you think of like kind of your favorite kiss moment if you had to take yourself in time? Oh, yeah. I've got mine. I, I met the love of my life, my, my soulmate. Uh, enough gushing, but on on the Kiss Cruise in 2018, Julie is busy here she at uh, Rock in this chair. Right, she's busy and doing something. She's around here somewhere. Also, also wearing a Kiss Room shirt, which I'm really proud yeah. of. She, and she wears it so much better than and I do. And she looks I'm great trying. in it. Yeah, but um, yeah, I met her after the Sail Away show on the Kiss Cruise in 2018. That is my highlight Kiss moment: is meeting Julie. By That's far. fantastic. So, Eric, yeah. I got to ask. Yeah, Bobby. Was it a rocket ride? <laughs> Bam! Bobby comes in with the mic drop. That's for after hours. Right. That's kiss the late room. night kiss. Right? Bobby, drop the mic. I'm speechless. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Bobby. Mics are expensive. Don't drop them. Noted. What do you think, Joe? Favorite kind of moment? Uh, I would just have to say it's all encompassing. This whole kiss thing, what, what it's brought me from my youth into being the old fellow that I am now. It's just all encompassing. People, stuff. Right, buying caskets, and, <laughs> right, and urns and pinball machines. But more than that, it's the people. It's the people. I have a modern highlight too. As of two o'clock in the morning last night. Now, Julie and I are going to go to both shows in New York. Yeah, we're going to both. My daughters messaged me last night at two in the morning. They bought tickets for the final show. There you go. Nice. I've got a little head cold here. Sorry for the sniffles, but my daughters are going to be at the final show. They're paying for tickets. We're going to work out any way we can to help them with any kind of accommodations, uh, whatever. But that's a highlight moment currently for me. My daughters love this band. We went through some difficult times together at the end of a marriage, and we bonded through Kiss, and they love this band enough that they committed to go to the final show in New York. That's outstanding. You know, it's funny because both of you kind of referenced it, but I think the music any kind of merchandise, all those things tied together with the fact that really I think of so many people in my life that I know because of being a KISS fan. And certainly having started a a radio show podcast about it, you get to reach out and kind of connect with people that way. But there's there really is something to that. Like with that like normally you might walk by somebody and okay, hey, you might give a head nod or whatever. But if they're wearing a KISS shirt, Hey. You fist bump. Yeah. How you doing? Tell me you your story. Right, tell me your stories. Right. And I'm always fascinated by people. I mean, I just like talking to people. So, like, when they have a kiss shirt, it gives you an in. Absolutely. It gives you something to talk it's about. The icebreaker. So, right. It's the like, you you also understand the kiss culture? Yes. <laughs> I've, I've met people before, like, in, uh, in Mexico. We'll go to these resorts and stuff, and I'll see somebody in the pool with tattoos all over them. And I'm literally friends with these people to this day. And I'll say, tell me your story. Right. Immediate friends. And That's perfect. That was 20 years ago, and I, I'm still friends with people that I met in a pool in Mexico. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. All, it's because awesome. of, all because of the band. Exactly. It, you, you know, know it's great. funny. In Rock and Pod, we, I bonded with Joe and Robin at Rock and Pod two years ago. I mean, they're mm-hmm. Kiss Cruisers. We're Kiss Cruisers, but it's a big ship. You don't really meet everybody. 
but they were here two years ago and we just really really we hit it off yep. that's instantly. awesome well look guys Bobby's, Joe Laskin, Bobby's telling you to Eric Alberti. Yeah, Bobby's giving me the wrap-up cue. I really appreciate you taking the time just to talk. This was fun. This is what the Kiss Room is all about. It's Kiss fans and talking about Kiss. Thanks. We love you, Matt Porter. We love you, Bobby Dreyer. Yes, Thank you guys for the best. We, we love you guys. Thanks for having us. That was cool. This was great. That's Thanks, great, guys. guys. Appreciate Woo! it. And I want you to say you're listening to Monco Radio. Where, where music, music and minds meet. <laughs> And we are wrapping up the Nashville yeah. Rock and Pod Expo with the two MVP rockers hey. in the room. Hey. Jeremy Hasbrock, Ryan Cook, yeah, welcome back. Yeah, they'll be here back. in a second. They're, they're going to be here. Well, welcome, guys. We made it. <laughs> you made, made it. it. <laughs> now, look, this. everybody that listens to the Kiss Room, everybody that listens to Harem, we know you. It's Ace Fraley Band. It's the Gene Simmons Band. It's the Rock and Roll Residency. You have a new band. Yep. Talk about that. Rock City Machine Company. And yet, it's Can't Stop the Train. Yep. Now, here's the thing. Everybody's been watching the single on YouTube or whatever. Full album coming? What's the situation? I feel like you're at the birth of it with the first single. Where do you see it going? There is a full album coming. It's done. Uh, We kind of had to put this single out because uh, NASCAR is using it as promotion for their their spring race. So that kind of determined us putting that song out first. Uh, the vinyl companies are all backed up for six months, so it's going to take six months for vinyl. But yeah. we're planning on CDs in two months. That's outstanding. Now, thinking about that, I mean, obviously, look, and I just said in the intro, but people think of you associated with Gene, with yep. Ace, whatever. When you're writing your own stuff, what's your inspirations? Where do you come from? I mean, to me, right off the bat, I'm just going to say the vibe is that in-your-face 70s heavy rock. Yep. That's per- that's the perfect way to describe it. Uh, for me, and I, probably the same for Jared, it's like it's all rooted in 60s, 70s, and 80s hard rock. Great. I mean, and, and you can pretty much hear every band in there. You can hear Def Leppard. You can hear Van Halen. You can hear ACDC. Yeah. Aerosmith. They're all, it's all in there. It yeah. doesn't sound like this is a cross between Kiss and Aerosmith. And yeah, right. It's, it's honest, Honestly, to tell you the truth, it probably sounds less like Kiss than anything. Yeah, I, I, that's fair. I, I'd say that too. Yeah, it's I, and I'll say I get a Southern rock vibe. Yep. You yeah. know, and that's when you think of yep. that sound, which I don't think you hear that much anymore. Right. Like that right. really just heavy in your face kind of sound, which is great that you're keeping that going. Cause it, Thank it, you. And now, would the rest of the album be very much the same vein as what we heard on this first single? Just every band I mentioned, you're going to hear all of those <laughs> bands in it. There you, you go. Know, See, the, that's perfect. I kind of described it as. Brand new music that you feel like you've known your whole life. <laughs> there you go. It's kind of what it sounds like. I mean, Comfort music, kind of like the right. biscuits we were There we right. go, just like <laughs> biscuits. Like yeah. We had a Biscuit great conversation. Rock. Biscuits down here in Nashville, fantastic. One of the highlights of Rock oh, and Pod. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you guys stay so skinny. I, I wouldn't have that problem, though. Just, uh. <laughs> Talk about members in the band, everybody in there. It's just me and Ryan and Phil. It's, it's our band. Uh, Marty's son, Evan, played drums on it, but... You know, we're not going to have a drummer join our our thing. Like our, yeah. our thing has been established for you know close to a decade now. Wow! And the three of us. you know, like there's yeah, no reason to like add somebody. We can we can get a drummer to play the stuff. It, it, it's yeah. ours. Yeah. And also, when he said Marty, 
uh, Marty's son Evan, Marty Fredrickson, produced this record. That's Very outstanding. Cool. So, and you know, people know Marty from his work with Aerosmith, Buck Cherry. He's Ozzie. been working with the Struts, Ozzy, Motley Crue, Mick Jagger. Where did you record it? Here in Nashville? Here in Nashville, Marty's studio. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Right See, in the middle of Music Row. You know, so you keep wow. the energy right there, just driving. Absolutely. You know. Yeah, we wrote most of the record via Zoom. Wow. Uh, man, it was just, it was a scheduling thing. You know, That's it was literally, and sometimes it was easier to do it on Zoom than to get all four of us in the same place at the, at the same time. Because, like, Marty would, we were a lot of, he was at his house in Florida. But, wow. man, we were all working on different projects at the same time. Man, so at the, that time, he was recording Buck Cherry, Daughtry, The Struts. He was working with Tuck Smith. He was working with Aaron Jones. Yeah. Uh, who am I leaving out? <laughs> I can't remember. But, there, there, there's uh, Scott definitely Stapp. Scott Stapp. Uh, he's just always. That's working. a good roster you yeah. just named. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. incredible. Yeah. And you guys keep real busy. You're always yeah. out and about yeah. doing all kind of cool things, yeah. which are very visible. We see all the time on social media doing all these fun shows. That's great that you can find the time yeah. to put your own thing together. Now, that with that in mind, a lot of people do know you with Ace or Gene. You're writing your own music. How great does that feel? You're not going out there supporting somebody else's projects your project yeah uh it pretty much occupies all of our brain space at the moment because yeah. you know it, it, we're not really looking for other gigs other than ace right now we're really kind of focused on doing something with this yeah that's outstanding plus, this is the first time that we've had original music out in yeah forever man so it feels pretty good to do something new that's ours yes well, this part you know you guys family everything how do you keep the balance with you know all that look i i know jeremy you're he has the deal with the more you know i i know well you know still, like we we've made it our job so you know it's it, it's work it's your job also i mean it's a pretty cool fucking job but <laughs> but you know you don't you don't not go to work yeah, you know right? like yeah. for your family to exist you need to have work and the music's no different but you really you know there's a lot of people who take it lightly you guys look i've been backstage with you i shot you you guys take it serious 110 percent. i've seen a lot of musicians who slack off and go ah you know ride the wave of their past success you guys never take it for granted and i really appreciate your hard work and everything as a fan i appreciate you recognizing that because as much fun as we have i can always say that we always take it serious always have just you know i mean seriously it's two kids who people who were used to be kids and your favorite band or almost your favorite band you know uh was kiss to wind up playing with two of the founding members who would have thought you couldn't that was hollywood ish that has to be unbelievable (laughs) and the gravity is not lost on any of us like i i know how lucky we are and i know what i would want to see as a fan because you know i've gone to see ace when we weren't in the band and you know I saw Gene and Kiss, and I'd, I'd never imagined Gene going solo. Oh, yeah. But, but <laughs> I, would, I would know what I would want to see, so, you know, we can approach everything from a fan perspective. And I would I would want to see some guys up there that it meant that much to, doing that good of a job. You yeah. Know? I think it really shows in the set list. When you're pulling out some of yeah. those really obscure tracks, I mean, that's really fun, even when, you know, he's got the huge cue cards and they're laying them out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you go, like, but like when he's doing, like, It's My Life, things like that, you go, I never thought I'd get to hear him do that. So when you're pulling that out, that, at, like you said, from a fan perspective, that's the stuff everybody yeah. wants, which yeah. is really incredible. And I have to say, that 
spe- specific song that that was Gene. Like he oh, yeah, he, he threw that one at us. And uh, what was the other one? It's my life. And uh, uh, are you ready? Are you ready? Right. Right, which uh, uh, we did, sweet and dirty really. love from oh, asshole, oh, and amazing. Got love for sale, charisma. You know, a lot of the human, the vintage kiss stuff w- was us. The one I remember that was his was the show you guys were at and Lancaster. That's why I remember Lancaster because we got an email from Gene like, "Hey, can you guys do all the way tonight?" And oh, like, oh, oh yeah, right. we can do all the way. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. That I mean, really, that's funny to say because that show ranks as one of the best concerts I ever was at because when he and I knew it was coming because I. I'd seen him do it in Philly was okay we want people to come up on stage oh yeah and I was ready yeah. and I go and I to be standing now look you guys maybe you get jaded he's the boss right for me to stand next to Gene Simmons and sing rock and roll all night look it's one of those I can't wash my eyeballs out ever again kind yeah. of moments yeah. it was unbelievable yeah. and I think in some ways to to have you know the vehicle of that as a fan that 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 would exist even that like you know you could never tell well that that, it, that is me. his stroke of genius oh. like he know he knew that and that's man and unfortunately ryan got put to the task of finding all the people to do that and in a country that doesn't speak english that's not an easy task man. oh it's too I much know. i mean it was a, as fun as it was there was a whole day of me going, God damn it! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. M- most of the time, the, the promoters were all pretty cool about, like, man, yeah. you, you got to help us. We, we can't go out there and, like, hey, you want to go on stage? Hey, yeah, you want to go on stage? Right. Hey, yeah. like, and, you know, all, the, all the places weren't set up in advance to have stairs to get people onto the right. stage. And Gene's will, what? We'll have them build some stairs. I'm yeah. like, Shows in an hour, man. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You got a ladder. That Lancaster one had those nice side steps. That was like a little like that place is, reminds me of somebody's high school auditorium. Yeah, right. You know, you're just like right there. Yeah. But now with that in mind, it's funny. And like I keep saying, I don't really travel a lot. You guys travel a lot. Yeah. What's the difference between traveling with Ace and traveling with Gene? We travel with Gene, and we, we don't, don't travel, travel with Ace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, the difference is one is there and one isn't. Yeah, the Ollie man. We very rarely. I mean. Like, even when we had our bus, Ace did not ride on the bus with us. He had a his his driver and another guy, they had a, an Escalade. Or, or they would fly. Or they would fly. We'll be on the bus. Man, and then Gene, we flew everywhere. We got a bus for a little bit with Gene. We, we, we had one run where there just weren't airports and it, it didn't make any sense. Yeah. And we did do a bus. Uh, man, Ace does his own thing. He kind of he stays away from everything. There's no temptation when he's at his hotel room. He doesn't get bored just sitting in a dressing room. Yeah. You know. He shows up last minute. You know, he'll stay at the hotel, and then 10 minutes before the show, yeah. he'll enter the building. Wow. He's in. And then he stays after because he does meet and greets every night, those VIP packages, you know. Right. But we're not part of that. I mean, people are paying to see see Ace and do that thing, and we don't want to be in there anyway. Doing right. That. I mean, we're going to, you know, we're done. So we're there a long time before Ace. We sound check about 3.30 every day. Generally, we'll hang out. Yeah. Well, and then Ace shows up 10 minutes before the show, and then he'll stay an hour or two after, and we're gone. You know, it's funny because, you know, through the magic of Facebook, with Gene, you guys are in there doing stretching. I think he was stretching one of your legs Phil, or something. And you go, like, that's just back. crazy. <laughs> like, you, know, you, you can't even imagine from a band that went, you didn't even know what they looked like. To now there you are. Everybody's doing yoga or yeah, something. It's yeah. like, what's going on with that? That's He's amazing. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, he's funny. 
Uh, yeah, we couldn't get rid of that guy before the show. I mean, we'd leave to go have dinner. You guys are coming back for dinner, right? <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, man. Great. I'm just going to go oh, take a great. shower. He was great. That's too funny. Yeah. Now, kind of with that in mind, and, and I think everybody, you know, with the Kiss influence, what do you think about them? They're going to end of the road in the last couple of shores, final this, final that. Uh, good for them. Uh, I predict a residency. Right. They, I'm, they, they are ending. They're, they're retiring from touring. They're yeah. retiring from touring, as I understand it. Listen, I've not talked to Paul or Gene or anybody about it, and I won't. They don't, you know, it's none of my business. But as a fan, I think they're saying this is the end of the road for touring. You know what, man? The end of the road. Yeah, I so keep saying the end of the quotes. road is a cul-de-sac that yeah. so has gone yeah. around for the last three years. This, this is right. definitely right. the last show of the end of the road tour. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> As to whether or not there will be another tour or Vegas residency or what have you, that remains to be seen. We'll know when you know. <laughs> That's excellent. We're fans. Yeah. Matt and I, I told Jeremy, we're going to the last show. We're, yeah, great. You know, okay, we say last show, but yeah. I don't care. It could be your last show. Right, yeah. you never know. Look, yeah. let's hope for the best. <laughs> Cross when myself on the radio. Stu- you know, part of us got a little sad. Of I remember course. when I got my first Kiss record. Yeah, of course, yeah. When, you know, that cheap trick thing, you know. Yeah. Rolling a, right. I just remember yeah. where I was. And, you know, in that last show, I can see the appeal because, man, what a place to see Kiss, Madison Square Garden. You know? Absolutely. That's you know, and cool. it is funny because I've seen them there twice. I saw them on the reunion tour at the Garden. Oh, cool. And there is something about the fact that when you're in Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena, and you know what it meant to them. Yep. To get to Madison Square Garden, yep. and it's just like you know, that's to me. That's half the magic of that event is just gonna be. It's gonna be Kiss at Madison Square Garden. That Kiss is how I learned about Madison Square Garden. Yeah, right. Yeah. Kiss is how I learned about Japan. Right. Swear to God. Of course. When I was the, a kid, uh, the the kimonos and everything else and all that. You know. It you was know. Just, yeah. It was. It's just such a trip. That is you know, a trip. They're synonymous with that building. You know, right. It's just, it's I, I've said it a lot to you guys, and it's wonderful. Matt and I going to the shows and being there. And uh, I said it on the radio, our radio show last week. They're the only band that turned fans into family. Yeah. I can go anywhere yeah. from walking into his office to going to East Jabip and seeing them and going, yep. oh, you're a Kiss fan? Yep. And there's just something there that yeah. just makes you go, yeah. Look, there's a lot of band. We have a lot of bands that were fans yeah. of this, but there's never been that band that made me go Kiss fan. Yeah, yeah. Van Halen fans hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're exactly right. That's well, in fact, that podcast right over there. I'm looking at them. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's but, fantastic. I, I mean, it, it's that thing we remember when we got our Kiss dolls, our lunch boxes, yeah. <laughs> things. Yeah. How many people can say that in no, I know. 40-something years going, oh, my God, yeah. I remember all the crap. And there's just something weird about how they became so associated with the garden because, you know, we all know that, again, that was such a big deal and we learned about it because of that. But it, why is it so impressive and historical when Kiss plays the garden? But, you know... Everybody forgets that Billy Joel does a residency and he sells it out like what twelve times a year, right? So, sure. It's like, yeah. So what? It's not like Kiss playing there. It's just right. something about it, you know. Yeah, not like I think. said, I think that's because you knew what it meant to them. Yeah. That it makes. I just feel like just to be part of that is something yeah. big. Yeah. So it's really, you know, I think that's what it's all about, and yeah. it's really the fact that it's. And we've been talking to people throughout the day, obviously here at Rock and Pod. How many people that we've met? 
just by being Kiss fans. You know, you figure that's how we met you guys. Like, yeah, I mean, anybody that's down here, that's how I met Bill Shouse. That's right. How yeah. I met Ryan. Yeah, like, that's that's yep. It's tripping. It? That's how it, it all really started. Is. I mean, first it, Kiss song you guys learned. First one you learned on guitar. That I learned Not on guitar. I mean that. I, I don't know. I honestly, I'd be making something up if I told you. <laughs> first Kiss song you heard. First Kiss song I heard. Shout it out loud. There you go. I think my first Kiss song honestly was Beth. Yeah. I, think people, I remember. I still remember People's Choice Awards. I just, for some reason, remember that night when they won. They weren't there. And probably, I mean, you figure at that point, that song was everywhere. I think people forget how big that song was for Kiss. And obviously, Rock and Roll Night Live version had come out. Everybody was excited. But, man, Beth, you couldn't put the radio on and not hear it. And then a couple years later, Kiss couldn't be caught dead on the radio. I know. But at the time, man, that was something else. I know. Oh, God. The times I would call our local radio station and ask for Kiss, they hated me. They hated me. And they never played it. You know, I remember he even said, we don't play Kiss. And it was a rock station. It's like... Well, you're not a rock That's station. amazing. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I don't want to keep you because we're kind of out of our allotted yeah, time. And I know everybody's been talking all day. It's great to see you. Always. Thanks yeah, guys, for giving always. us the time. We love this. In some ways, look, thanks for letting us live vicariously through you. You yeah. both oh, post a lot of stuff on social media. It's nice to see it. Like I always tell you, you guys are super positive. I love that. Especially during the COVID when everybody was just looking for anything. Super positive guys doing fun things, and that's what it's really all about. It so it's just really, it's just always been fun. I'm super glad we got to talk to you. This Me is too, our last man. interview of the day, so uh, we're yeah. having the best time. We'll see yeah, you guys out you there guys. somewhere. Yeah.
and we are back at National Rock and Pod with the one and only Ricky Rackman. Ricky, Woo! welcome. All beat yeah. up on coffee. Yeah. Oh, I hyped up. I love it. <laughs> yeah. so, so now you have a lot of stuff going on, and the funny thing is, one of the things we were just talking about, you're coming up on a gig in Bethlehem, close to our backyard. Talk about this tour that you're doing. Yeah, it is. I mean, I've been blessed with some incredible jobs. Not only did I open the Cat House, I hosted a show called Headbangers Ball, and I've been doing TV and radio my whole life. But this show is, without a doubt, um, the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Because when anybody watched Headbangers Ball, they watched because of the videos. They didn't watch it for Ricky Rackman. And when you went to the cat house, you know, maybe you'd see Axel or some girls. You didn't go there because Ricky was there. But this show, it's like my show. And I get up there and I tell stories about Cat House, Headbangers Ball, about growing up in Hollywood, about what it was like as a kid getting into music, what it was like going to jail for beating up a DJ and losing everything. I mean, it's 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 sex, drugs, rock, raunch and roll, everything. And I just tell stories. And part of it almost is like a play. Like there's a part of the stage that's decorated like my room when I was a kid and I'm going through music. Just, it's really, really fun. And um, I'm about to go on tour doing it. And just saying like, me just sitting here saying like, I'm going on tour. This is something I've heard my friends say forever. And the fact that I get to say it, it's like, it's so fun. Like, my wife is like, oh, my God, stop saying it already. She's like, hey, do you want me to make you some coffee? Yeah, when we go on tour, let's make sure we have coffee. <laughs> it's like, stop it. You don't say tour for everything, but it's just I'm really excited. That's awesome. Now, even thinking of that, when you walk out on stage, now, a lot of your friends that are in bands, they're hiding behind a guitar, like a shield, loud amps, things like that. You're out there with a mic. Yeah. How does that feel? And, and how's the transition? Obviously, we all know you right. from TV, where you're That's talking to us that. through... The TV. Now you're live and in person. The truth is, there's some things that I get up there and I talk about on stage that are very humiliating. Some very bad things that I've done and that have happened in my life and embarrassing. But it's almost like therapy. You know, it's like right. when you're going up there and you're talking, people are listening. Like all the work that goes into a show like this yeah. stops the second that I step on stage. When I step on stage, I am saying this is the honest truth. It's so fun and when you say stuff and people are listening or laughing or like shocked or angry or whatever it's the greatest thing ever. and now I understand when we see all these 80s bands that are going on tour all the time some of them we know go on tour for the money but there's a lot of bands that are going on tour there's a lot of bands that go on tour that don't need the money you're like dude why in the world is Iron Maiden still going on tour right. even though they're still phenomenal why are they doing it and I know why they're doing it they're doing it because it's, yeah. it's fun because it's really good and we are all starved for attention. You Now people think they get their attention from likes or follows or whatever. But when you go up there and people like what you have to say, that gives you that same attention. So, you Absolutely. know, I'm just a just an attention whore like everybody else. <laughs> so if I go up there, you know, I can, I can either sit at home and, and see a thousand people hating on me on the Internet or I can go there and see like a couple hundred people happy to see me. I'm like, okay, I'll stay with you guys. Right, right. That's awesome. Now, it's funny because there is a certain transition that I'm curious about. When you first started up on MTV, when MTV was MTV. Right. And you knew that you had all these eyes on you. And like you said, there was at the time, there's no internet. So the internet hating didn't exist yet. But what was it like when you start getting the feedback? Like, why are you playing this video? Why are you playing that video? The big difference is, like, haters today are pathetic. It's like my yeah. haters, my haters actually took out a piece of paper. They took out a pen. <laughs> my haters, let me tell you something. My haters bought a stamp. They spent money to tell me they hated me. So at least my That's haters great. really had more effort. Forget about these 
dictators. Oh, I can go on a computer and say you suck. No, these people bought stamps and mailed me letters saying I stuck, sucked. So I like my haters better. <laughs> That's outstanding. I think I'm going to use that in the show. Right. Yeah, Ricky, real quick. So the uh, shows, you're doing Pennsylvania, you're doing Bethlehem, and you're doing Sayreville in New Jersey. Uh, it's taking you everywhere. Look, I'm Broadway. Wow. I'm on Broadway. How the hell did you wind up on Broadway? I don't know. I don't know how I ended up in Sayreville. I don't know how I ended up anywhere. But I'm playing the Iridium, which is a real small club. Right. Great club. There, Beautiful. Yeah. Les Paul's place. And I mean, I'm playing like next to Winter Garden. Now, that place is really small. But it's like the, the coolest thing about it is it's right next to where the MTV offices were. So... I don't care what happens. I can always say, oh, yeah, I had a show on Broadway. How rad is that? <laughs> Forget it. Forget it. That, that's that's, that's awesome. the coolest thing Did in the world. Did you ever think at our age we'd be doing, uh, you'd be doing what you're still doing? You know? The- no. No. Um, I didn't know what I'd be doing. I think I would have I hoped that I'd be doing what I'm doing. But if I would think, like, at this stage of my life, I'd be happily married to a freaking hot wife that's a tattoo artist? Come on! That rules more than anything. And that I get to go on stage and and that I'm still selling cat house shirts worldwide. (laughs) It's the greatest thing in the world. 2022 sold more cat house shirts than 1988. How crazy is that? This is honest to God truth. I am so... I am the luckiest person in the world. And, 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 And on the same token, in 2001... I had a shirt and tie, and I was a I was a car salesman, you know that that had his power turned off as an apartment. Mm. So I've I've gone through the whole thing, and 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 right now I'm like, this is kind of cool. Like That's this fantastic. is like like look, I get to talk to you guys about <laughs> fun stuff. So, what can we do to help you with the show to Buy promote 200 it? Tickets. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, all, all, this is this. We'll have a party it, it's, in Sayreville. It's, it's the same thing. That ha- and uh, in in all honesty, like I'm doing a bunch of bunch of radio. I'm gonna DJ on the Rat. I'm gonna take Fun. over the Rat for two hours because I think that's the radio station out there. Well, in, in Philly we have WMMR. We got a good friend Jackie Big Bam station. Bam. Yeah, yeah Big station. Philly Scott. You know. I mean, the thing is, is right now, you know, I get home tomorrow and I'm doing Chris Jericho's show and I'm doing all these shows, and the the way it works is the same way that the Cat House works. If you're going to go, you tell your friends they're going to go, they're going to go. And I just want people to show up. And is it is it possible that I sell out 10 shows and I go to Sayreville and only sold 100, 200 tickets? Yeah, it's possible. But I'm still going to have a great time. It'll be fun. I mean, I, I, I sold my car, okay? And to be honest, my car was a Porsche. I sold it <laughs> to buy a minivan to go on tour. Ricky Rackman drives a Chrysler Pacifica because I want because I don't have enough money to have like a couple cars. Right. I wish I did, but I don't. So I had to sell my car to buy a minivan because that's the only way. I thought like, oh, I'll get a tour bus. Oh, I'll get this. Like, no, I won't. I can't afford that. So I got a minivan. My wife is my tour manager. I've got our friends. I mean, I had Ace Von Johnson, sometimes a guitarist, help me load gear. You know, oh. because I because I'm asking friends to do it. So. So word of mouth is, is people go, all I can do is tell people, and if you tell people, that really helps. And if there's people there, they're going to have a good time. And no matter what happens, we're going to have a good time. Sayreville was the, sh- the, the one show out of every show that was a little bit of a challenge because we're playing so many shows. I'm like, Ew. 
but it's going to be and fun. That's it's a big be venue. Fun. But yeah. I, I, I talked to Mark Weiss. Uh, I got to apologize. My mic is on, but it's not on through the headphones. So uh, Mark will be there. I'm throwing the bone out to a couple people I was telling over there. Thank St- you. Steve Brown, I'd like to see if we can get Steve. Look, get Ted Pulley. Get some of the New Jersey rockers to come in. Please. And just hang, and we'll make it like... Look, well, we're, Sayerville. I, mean, we're, I don't think any of those people ever went to the cat house, right? And they, but it doesn't. It just, yeah, we're gonna get a bunch of people there, and it's gonna be a blast. And I've already talked to like some people. Hey, I'm coming to this show. I'm coming to that show. LA, if if this tour does good, which I think it's going to, when I come to LA, it's gonna be weird because there's gonna be certain people that I'm talking, telling stories about. I mean, certain people that did me wrong. Mm. And it's not a hate talking because everything I say on stage is a fact. But it's going to be weird as I come to certain shows and, and stuff like that. And I mean, if we're in New I don't know where Steve West is in that band with Ted Pulley, right? Yeah. Steve West, um, one of the funniest people I know. I haven't talked to him in a million years, but he's probably got some great cat house stories. I mean, there's so many stories, you know, that include you, you would not believe the stories. There, <laughs> there, are, there are people that are in this show that you're like, why the hell is Julio Iglesias in his show? And he is. <laughs> right. And he is. You know, there's a lot of incredible, crazy stories, and it's it's really fun. You know, well, one thing I was just going to say real quick, obviously all your fans know where to find the information, but for people that maybe are just listening to us, where are all the socials? Where can they go to get the tour dates? Where can I'm they go to buy tickets? I'm on all social media, even TikTok. Actually, nice. I actually really like TikTok. But um, to find t- to get tickets to my show and tickets to everything, just or T-shirts, just go to cathousehollywood.com. Perfect. Cathousehollywood.com. I'm not selling the tickets, but I have the links to every single club that sells the tickets. Right. That's the main thing. People will be able to find it. Cathousehollywood.com. There you go. Ricky, thank you so much. Thank you, this guys. Great, I can't man. wait to see hey, you guys look, at the show. We're going to have fun. I'm so going to be there. Look, oh, we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun. Blasting. I'll be up there with Weiss Guy. Yeah, we'll be I'm, doing a couple things. Yeah, Mark, um, like, there's this one picture that that has Axel with a gray cat house shirt on holding this cell phone that's like as big as a leg and he's holding his <laughs> cell phone and and Mark's like yeah I took that picture I'm like that 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 picture made me money on gray sweatshirts because that's the word like so why I'm gonna try to I'm trying to hook it up so we have like a full gallery of Mark stuff because Mark stuff is so yes. cool and Mark's such a good dude Got so the I'm book really, right here yeah I'm trying to set it up He's looking at the Decade That Rock book, which is sitting here, which has been quite a good conversation piece so far here today. Well, you look at you look at Mark's stuff, and it's just like, for me, I mean, A, of course, Mark is such an incredible photographer. Amen. But there's just so much stuff. Like, a, like just look at that. I'm just looking at this big picture of Bruce Dickinson. I'm like, that's rad. You know, there's, <laughs> there's so much cool stuff. But thank you, guys, and I look awesome. forward to seeing you there. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so Thanks, much. Ricky. Thanks a million. Thank you, guys. People, there you have it. Those are all of our interviews from the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo 2023. Thank you to all of our guests who took the time to chat with us. Thank you to everyone who works so hard to put the Rock and Pod Expo together every year. And I'm not going to say a long list of names because I don't want to leave anyone out. You know who you are, you know how hard you worked, and you know that we appreciate you. And also thank you to everybody that I hung out with in Nashville. Again, I'm not going to go through a long list because I'll miss somebody and then I'll feel bad. You all know who you are. And if you have a picture of us together, tag me. 
tag yourself, tag you in all the pictures. That's the thing. I like seeing all the pictures. I do want to send a shout out to Bobby Dreyer. Thank you, Bobby Dreyer. Bobby knows how to travel. He know he booked the rooms. He booked the flights. He knows where to go. He knows how to get there. I'm an idiot. And Bobby even knows how to use the car that we picked up from the uh, from the airport. You don't even need an explanation, and you'll know what that means because that's a good joke. We'll always think about that. Bobby, thank you for your friendship. You were a great guy and such a good friend. Uh, and with that, we will be back in May with the final issue of The Kiss Room in the 11th season. So I'm thrilled that you're listening. That's the bottom line. I'm glad that you're tuned in every month or you download the show. If you listen to us live here on Monaco Radio, if you share the link and help me get the word out so we get more people to listen. I'm really just you know thankful to anybody who still enjoys the show. It means a lot to me. Uh, send me a message via thekissroom.com or send me on Facebook or Instagram, wherever you listen. Just say, hey, look, I like this. I like that. Maybe you don't like this. Maybe you don't like that. You'll tell me. I like to hear it. I like to know that there are people indeed out there listening. And again, nothing but love, friends. We do this for fun. I'm glad that you tuned in. I'm glad you listened. Be joining us back here next month. We're going to be here back in May. Nothing but love, people. Give everybody a hug. Squeeze them tight. Have the best time ever. You're listening to The Kiss Room on Monaco Radio, where music and minds meet. You have been one hell of an audience tonight. Why don't you give yourselves a round of applause? i tell you something. You know, a lot of bands like to brag about their fans. Now, naturally... You better believe we brag about you, but we want you to know something. We want you to know, we know that you are our fans, but don't you ever forget, we are your fans! We love you! Thank you for listening to The Kiss Room. Stay tuned to Montco Radio. last minute crazy things you want to say to conform with expectations no but i will say something to anybody out there that's you know the weird guy or the weird girl that always has the weird things that they do that their friends put them down for don't think it's so weird maybe someday somebody lets you give you the chance to make a living out of it you just stick to it you'd be weird 